What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 25th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. Hey, Matt. How are you? Good, man. Long time no see. I know. No, I saw you a few days ago. Well, we were just at a screening together. We were just at a screening. Uh, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, I feel a little uh, teenage angst after watching uh, Teen Spirit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we'll have a review up for that soon. We will, eventually. Yeah. Uh, we'll get around to it. <laughs> Uh, stay tuned for that. But, uh, yeah, good, good to see you. Good to see you. I'm, uh, doing all right. It's, uh, I'm tired a little bit today. I feel, I feel it, man. I don't know why. The fatigue. But, uh, it's WrestleMania weekend. Excited about that. You're saving your energy for Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Ronnie Diamond Dallas Page. I don't know if Diamond (laughs) Dallas Page will be there. Sergeant Slaughter? He'll probably be at the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony because they always do an induction every year. Right. And all the old guys are. uh, Will Sting show up? Yeah, Sting will probably be there, yeah. Um, What's Stinger doing here? But uh, we'll see. We'll have a full review of WrestleMania next week. (laughs) But uh, if you guys didn't know, uh, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I get together and uh, talk about movies and our lives and what the hell's been going on in the the world of entertainment. Uh, If you like this, uh, we, as Eric mentioned, we have another podcast called the Untitled Movie Reviews where we do reviews of uh, upcoming films, films that were just released in cinemas, as well as stuff that was just recently released in uh, streaming services uh, right now we have uh, some reviews up for the beach bum as well as Shazam and uh, waiting for the punchline so the good stuff over there um, and there's a lot of back catalog as well of, so. of course we've done almost the same amount of episodes of uh, reviews as we, I think we're passing it on reviews now but those are kind of bite-sized episodes usually between 20 25 minutes and giving our uh, uh, full thoughts or in, our initial thoughts on a uh, on a film uh, complete with a, a score and everything. So if you like this, go over there, check that out, subscribe, throw that a like and everything too. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, and Eric, in the case of Shazam, it's 27 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, we went long on Shazam. We had a lot to say. Which I was surprised. And we were kind of in the minority when it comes to uh, not being so hot on uh, Shazam. It right. seems like everyone's giving it kind of a pass. And but... we also have a review of Dumbo, which is currently number right. one in the box office. That's, that is correct. I forgot about Dumbo that's <laughs> that says that says it all doesn't that says it everything yeah but uh, you other... truncated your uh, uh, your, rec- your your reviews yeah uh, so Eric um, what have you been watching this last week well Matt uh, as you know last week I didn't really have a lot of time to watch that much so I kind of uh, purged uh, since last what Friday mm-hmm. um, after uh, spending a little time hanging out with you after we recorded we had some pizza uh, it was a little too garlicky, the sauce. But, it was. We um, just ended up watching trailers for Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, VVS seems to have a lot of Nicolas Cage yeah. uh, content. So if you know, you're looking for your Nick Cage fix, VVS has you covered. You got to pay that ghost. <laughs> God, some of them are so bad. Just go on iTunes or whatever, or wherever, and just watch all the direct VOD Nick Cage trailers because they are amazing. Yeah, you don't need to actually watch them. No, movies, no, I love that man, but yeah, it's uh, got to pay the rent, man. Right, right. Well, bankruptcy, right? Yeah. Uh, but he's great in Mandy. If you still haven't seen that yet, and and should check it out, and and I still think he is a good actor. So, oh yeah, I love him. Um, yeah. So I just. Went through a lot of stuff, um, a lot of genre stuff, and also, you know, with the passing of both Larry Cohen and Agnes Varda, um, I caught up with uh, a couple of their films that I'd seen before. Um, I watched uh, Cleo from Five 
to seven. Um, and shout out to uh, Rob Trench because he posted that um, uh, a large number of her films are currently on Canopy if you want to go and check out some of her stuff. I might go back and watch Kung Fu Master next. Um, we are and, four days away from the Criterion channel launching. Right, well. right. But I don't know if they're going to be putting like maybe they'll decide to throw some stuff up there programming wise for her since her passing um vagabond would be a a a really great one to to rewatch as well um so yeah i mean i talked about it last week uh it's a great film and and you know like an emerging voice of the french new wave she really yeah i just i don't know like it's it's it it came at a time where you know, a lot of those filmmakers were doing the kind of surreal movies or doing the genre films that they were taking from, you know, 30s and 40s gangster American uh, genre picks and making their own spin on it. Um, and then she decided to bring some sort of, you know, uh, cinema verite and make it very real and personal. And then uh, with Larry Cohen, I rewatched uh, Cue the Winged Serpent, which is his... Um, Kind of, kind of his Godzilla movie with a stop motion animation uh, dragon okay. uh, attacking the Chrysler Building, um, and it's it's it was made in '82. And if you watch uh, the King Cohen documentary, which I hadn't seen before, it's not really anything like special, like in terms of like a deep dive, but it gives you an outline of his filmography. And it's always fun to see this guy who was a you know true. Uh, producer through and through where like his first five movies at least one scene was shot at his house yeah. to save on budget and then like for cue the winged serpent they were shooting at the chrysler building and at that time in, in 82 it was under construction so instead of hiring stuntmen for this like uh fight scene between this giant stop motion animation dragon uh they just hired the the window cleaners and the and the maintenance people and (laughs) saved money on that that's ridiculous so yeah no larry cohen was one of those kind of guys and uh again like if if you're unaware of his work i would actually say that uh king cohen is a is a really good start um i mean the opening uh testimony or 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 uh, intro of it is with J.J. Abrams. Oh, yeah? And he talks about being a huge fan of the It's Alive uh, baby and then how, like, Larry Cohen saw that he was a fan and they had lunch together and they wanted to work on a project. And Larry Cohen was also a champion of old cinema, of old school cinema that he, right. you know, gave people um, opportunities that weren't working as as much as they used to. So people like Red Buttons, uh Bernard Herrmann, who scored the Psycho soundtrack, who his last two scores were for Taxi Driver and It's Alive. Yeah. Uh, And then sadly he passed away. But he was always giving, you know, these great legends opportunities that they didn't have anymore. And, you know, when the industry kind of uh, looked the other way and sort of, you know, left them behind, he was he was always open to. Um, you know, giving them roles and, and giving them opportunities, and and yeah, it was just it was a, it was an interesting doc, but I would just recommend checking out Cue the Wing Serpent or the stuff or something like that. And, and yeah, Bone, you made if you me watch the it. trailer for the stuff afterwards. Yeah, it was, it was something. It's <laughs> it's again like it's a it's your definition of a B movie, but it's fun. Unlike Chud 
and the sequel, Chud 2, Bud of Chud, um, which I think is really just kind of notable for the name of the film, Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. So, again, shot around the same time as Cue the Winged Serpent, but shot in New York. And the thing that I like about it still is that you get to see New York in that kind of grimy Grimy. and gross era. Like, it feels like everything is dirty and nasty and, you know, with the focus being on homelessness it's it's kind of a the social commentary of the film but you know it's made from theater people so on shutter they had a special joe bob briggs edition of chud where this horror host would commentate on on what the production was like throughout oh. and it was just interesting going back and seeing you know both D- daniel stern and john hurd um, in this movie before Home Alone. Um, and John Goodman has a small role as a oh, cop. Yeah. And um, Butt of Chud is awful. It's basically only in name. And it's kind of closer to Return of the uh, Living Dead Part 2 where like these kids abduct this creature and they don't realize what they have. And um, yeah, it's just... It's it's awful. But it's kind of nostalgic for me um, to go back to some of those movies because I hadn't seen Chud... Since I was twelve or thirteen. Oh yeah, I've never seen um, it. It's it's boring. Is it it's because real s- boring? It, the VHS was in us, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, which was another reason why I kind of wanted to go back to it, but they were actually playing it on Shutter as a part of this special, and right, uh, it was paired with Castle Freak, which I didn't rewatch, which is a Stuart Gordon movie. But um, yeah, it was just kind of interesting, just. You know, thinking about like, oh, I remember when I was, you know, 12, 13, going to Blockbusters and Rogers video and and looking at like this poster of a creature's arm coming out of a sewer and be like, I'm renting that. And then realizing that the poster was better than the movie. Yeah, which was usually the case back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but it was still kind of, again, fun. Um, And then I watched a film from uh, China called Ash is Purest White, which I think is still playing Playing at the Lightbox, um, which is from a uh, renowned Chinese filmmaker. And I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but it's Jai Ziang. Um, who is the director of the, of the movie, <laughs> did not at all. Um, but it's a really fascinating story in terms of how it deals with time, and it's about a gangster's mall who gets caught with his gun, and in China it's illegal to own uh, firearms, and so she's sentenced to five years of jail time. Um, and when she gets out, you see kind of like how things have changed and how things haven't and how relationships change over time. And what's fascinating is that um, it starts off in 2001 and then uh, when the story ends, it, it's it's current day. So um, it sort of hits 2001, 2006, and 2018. Um, and watching this performance from the lead, um, the character, his name is Ben, and uh, she is uh, played by... Uh, Again, probably going to mispronounce this, but Tao Zhao, uh, who is the director's wife, and she's incredible in it. And what this movie does that I was so impressed with is that it lets the performance do the the work instead of, you know, adding special effects makeup and, and, you know, making her look older. It's her performance and the way that she carries herself throughout the film that you can tell, like, 
she's changed over time and how we all grow and change over time and how instead we, of just making her physically look yeah good. yeah it's just it's it's demeanor it's movement it's it's the mannerisms of the character and that kind of stuff i really appreciated and it's a great performance the movie it, it kind of meanders a little bit especially in the second act and i kind of like the setup of it there are some weird sporadic idiosyncratic moments like there's like two tango scenes that kind of abruptly happen right uh in, in the movie that are kind of entertaining but he's also this director's also done uh mountains made depart and a touch of sin um and it's kind of a greatest hits movie for him like if you've seen his other works then you're probably familiar with his style but um, if you've never seen any of his movies, this would probably actually also be a very good film to kind of dive into and then go back. It's the same way like yeah. uh, Faces Places for Agnes Varda. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then you said you watched The Matrix too? I did because yeah. it was the 20th uh, anniversary and also it was, came out. Yeah, and right. it was Trans uh, Visibility Day as well. So I wanted to celebrate in some way. And um, yeah, and the 4K was recently released. And I, I still like the movie. Um, it's a fun film, but it is also... Of the late 90s. And I thought can... it held up pretty well. I mean, f- when it came to the actual filmmaking. Um, yeah, I mean, this... the, the breakout scene yeah. is great. Like, I love the scene where they're climbing through the the walls and, and uh, Morpheus breaks through the uh, the bathroom. Like, mm-hmm. Bill Pope did a fantastic job with the Yeah, that's what I mean. I thought it was shot very well. But there's the also some, it, like... like, special effects, though, that yeah. are pretty bad. Like, the um, belly button sequence. The and costumes the and the special thing. effects don't hold up no. as well. But I thought the movie as a whole, I was surprised. I'm like, this doesn't feel 20 years old. Um, at least when I rewatched it last year. I agree. Um, but, but I also feel like they're, you know, the movie before this that did it was, you know, World on a Wire. And then... You know, after this, a lot of people said, well, you know, Inception kind of surpassed it. Right. And I would kind of agree with it with with people when they say that because it's not contemporary in that it's dating itself. Like, I think it went timeless instead of timely. Right. And The Matrix is more timely, which isn't a bad thing either because I'm sure the further we get away from it, maybe you'll go back to it in in another 20 years and say, like, oh, this is a great period piece film right but yeah. right now because you know it's still, it's still a, a recent part enough. of it's yeah, yeah. it's it kind of feels dated and also just because of its influence on other movies and other filmmakers like Zack Snyder who kind of just overdid what the Wachowskis kind of started yeah uh I completely agree uh for me I I'm on I was on more of what your side last week where I didn't watch all that much in the last You're just living life so. man um, yeah, I've been relaxing. I read a lot. So, I mean, I can start there. I, I finished the last like six or seven volumes of Invincible. So I kind of binge that on the weekend. Um, I've completed all 144 issues now. I binged it in a month. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I thought it was a very fitting end. Um, I can't wait to see what they do in both the animated series and the film. I think, both will be very different, um, and I, I'm curious to see what they change, what they keep the same, and and who they cast. Because I've been uh, geeking out about that over my head in my head of, and I think Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg will do a good job with the live action. I mean, um, this sense of scope and scale is crazy in this series, and it spans uh, uh, many different multiverses and and planets and and the scale is gigantic and there's some big big set pieces so i'm i'm curious to see if they're given what they need to kind of accomplish that and it's also very violent and uh um but it it's it's not like a 
it is hard R because of the violence, but the story doesn't necessarily like it could be for more than just i'm what i'm trying to say it's a very family oriented story about this family but there are some very violent moments and about this young kid who grows up to be this um uh leader and i don't want to give away too much but um it's it was fascinating and and the story goes in uh complete like i compare it to game of thrones a lot and i think i said that before in the sense where Robert Kirkman was able to getting away from the DC and Marvel and the big, the big two and creating his own superhero universe and things like that. He's able to kill off people you wouldn't expect to kill off. He's able to do that hyper violence. He's able to do these stories that feel familiar because he's rooting them in things that you have come to expect in superhero stories, but then kind of turns them on their head. And, um, uh, I, I can't wait to see um, how it translates into uh, a television program or uh, uh, a, a series of films. Like I, I, I'm curious to see when that cutoff point will be, whether it's the eight-episode Amazon animated series that's coming, that hour-long animated episodes, which is very long, or probably 40, 40 to 50 minutes or whatever. Right. right. But still very long for an animated show, yeah. actually. Um, and they're doing eight episodes, so uh, we're getting about six and a half to eight hours of, of content there, and then the movie, which you would expect to be about two hours, and um, just where those cutoff points, because I see the arcs in the series and where they could potentially do it. And I, I really don't want to give away too much, because I the basically, I just want to suggest it to anyone. I mean, go out to your local library, pick up the compendiums which are on amazon and your local comic book shop and if you want to support um kind of local businesses please go out there and grab them from them um but our friend mike Munts just picked i was up, gonna um, say yeah all three compendiums and and they're i i know i'm 16 years too late on this uh, and people have probably been telling you for a while but i think the when you know a, a movie or a tv show's coming it kind of kicks you in the ass to to read the source material sometimes so right uh, that's what it did for me and i enjoyed every moment of it i think mark grayson's a great character and his arc was complete and fulfilling um i feel like they wrap everything up at the end kind of quickly and do that kind of it spans a lot of time in that last issue or so to kind of show you what's happened with him or what happens in the in the future and things like that but um a, a great 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 superhero story like one of the best i've ever read and um i can't wait for that amazon series next year the movie probably won't be for a while but right now do you um, think the movie will be as good as seth rogan's uh house plant uh psas oh yeah dude I also shout out to Seth Rogen for um, he launched a, a weed company, as Eric just mentioned, called Houseplant. And the marketing on it has been fantastic. And he has this like kind of VHS 70s and 80s style kind of branding. And he does all these educational videos that are all done in those like old instructional video style. And, and which they are actually instructional. Like, they are they're not, helpful it's, it's, and It's funny, a parody. Yeah, yeah. Like it's both. Yeah. yeah they're, it's satire, but he actually is helping people understand uh how to use marijuana and how to use responsibly, it responsibly yeah. and things like that and so and it, and I can't wait to see how that um helps point uh is it point blunt? what's their uh I, don't, uh, I have no their idea company their uh studio uh, point We're gray point here. gray point gray I think it's point gray productions um so this should be a great funding source for their their um because it's seth rogan and evan goldberg who launched this company so yeah. hopefully that helps fund some projects for them and, and get 
And yeah, well, I, I even that. said to you after watching some of those videos is like they'll probably make more money there than they will on the films that they're doing. But that's right. great because that allows them the creative freedom to go and make something, you know, small if they want to mm-hmm. or on or, their own. Right? Yeah, or work mm-hmm. for scale on 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 a project they really are passionate about. Right. Uh, and I just like when, when it's the, uh, the one video when they're talking about like how much you should use just yeah. the, the, the the worst the 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 use of the word cannabis. Yeah, it's really funny. And <laughs> just like you had too much cannabis. Yeah. And then we I, we were uh, talking about Walk Hard yesterday or last time right. as well. And it reminds me of that as well. It does, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Invincible. Please go read it. I know it's not a movie or uh, or wait. I mean, the Amazon show will be out next year. Great cast. Uh, J.K. Simmons is uh, playing Omni Man. Um, uh, Nolan Grayson, and then you have um, uh, oh my, Stephen Yoon. Stephen Yoon playing Mark Grayson, which is awesome. Uh, not related to Dick Grayson. Uh, no. Uh, but obviously, that's what it's inspired by. But right. uh, definitely go read Invincible. That's for sure. Um, and I've also been watching Broad City with Nevis. She started um, Broad City. We heard great things from people, obviously, and that just ended. I think this year yeah. um, or last year. No, this year. Uh, this year. It just ended a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was what kickstarted uh, Nevis into uh, trying it again because we tried to watch it maybe three, four years ago, um, the first season, and I couldn't get into it. Um, and I stopped, so she kind of stopped and we moved on to something else. And now she finally gave it a shot again, made it through the first season. I watched, I, I have been jumping in here and there to watch it with her. And like, uh, I didn't see every episode at the beginning. And then I, the ones that I hadn't seen, I started watching and found myself laughing more and more. I think it's the first season is very hit or miss. I feel like, um, some episodes are fantastic. And then a lot of it is just kind of like, if this isn't. It feels more like a sketch show to begin with. Yeah, but then they seem to find their voice in the second season a bit. And um, I I found myself laughing really, really hard in those first couple episodes. Yeah, and it's great Um, that like someone like Amy Poehler lent her name to be an executive producer. And she pops up on the show every now and then. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, seeing other people like Bob Balaban also. uh, Yeah, Seth Rogen was on the season two premiere. um, And Hannibal Barris. Yeah, Hannibal Barris is amazing. yeah. Yeah, but he's like... He's a uh, one of the main characters, and um, but yeah, it's it's great. So I've been watching that. Uh, also, continuing my way through Mission Impossible. So I watched Mission Impossible three. Um, JJ doing his JJ thing of uh, reinvigorating a franchise. It's so, really a homage to um, It's Alive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, after the, I think the failure of mission impossible Two, they kind of needed a, a, a fresh start. And um, I don't know if mission did mission impossible Two bomb or anything. Or I think did it, it did like, fine, but I, I think it wasn't received very well. Right? Yeah. And, and I also feel that like, yeah, they wanted a fresh start, but I remember mission impossible three went through more problems because this was at the, the point where, you know, Tom Cruise was jumping on Oprah's couch and, Oh, in, right. Like, it, like, the bad publicity of his personal life was tainting the film and everything that they were trying to do to save it didn't work or it backfired and people weren't going to the movie. Right. Like okay. it was that it was this. So that was released around the time that uh, X-Men, the last stand and an inconvenient truth were released. And I remember like mission impossible three was considered a failure. And those two movies and cars was doing better than mission impossible. And they lost a lot of money on I it. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, but shout out for them for continuing because I feel like it got it back on track at least from a narrative standpoint and I mean not again not a masterpiece or anything and Abrams is just very good at making a solid 
action movie and kind of I felt feel like it what I loved about Mission Impossible up until Rogue Nation and Fallout which are uh, amazing films uh of themselves but like I liked how each film felt can completely different and very much of that filmmaker's film so right it's like the alien um, movies yeah exactly way, yeah. like uh, each filmmaker was able to put their own stamp on it and they I felt like they felt authentic to that filmmaker so this does and you can see JJ finding his. I mean, he was a TV director before then, right? And yeah. Then, so, this but, is, and he got this off the success of of Alias and Lost. Yeah, a hundred percent. And he did a great job. I think it's a great first film, and you can definitely see elements of him then that he's still. He's obviously matured as a filmmaker, and um, but I think it's a really, really solid movie. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman elevates um, the material, and and he's just so good that um, even if it's just a kind of generic villain he's just so entertaining to watch well he downplays um, it like that's yeah. like he he says things and does things in that movie that are very like i think any other performance or actor would have really been campy and heightened it but like yeah. he kind of like is very matter of fact about what he's going to do and it's kind of unsettling because of that mm-hmm. agreed and um yeah i think it's a, a a really really solid movie and i think that franchise just gets better and better as it goes yeah. on like i think each film is almost better than the, the last one um i mean i think you could argue between ghost protocol and, and rogue nation um but I think they do improve on themselves each time. So, uh, or they at least have like one major set piece that you are you are just stunned by. Like when you watch it, and you're like, "How did they pull this off? And mm-hmm. why is Tom Cruise doing this and risking yeah. his own life? Like, please stop!" <laughs> yeah, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. Um. So watching that, and then I'm continuing my like truncated uh, MCU watch because uh, I did not want to go through all twenty. Uh, 22, 21 films. 21. 22 will um, be, yeah. Uh, uh, with Endgame. I didn't want to watch all 21 again, so I started with Avengers, and I'm making my way, th- pick and choosing which ones to watch. So I mentioned last week I watched Winter Soldier, and then I watched Guardians 1 and 2 this past uh, weekend. So uh, both of them are great. They both hold up very, very well. I think you could swap out what, if you're trying to compare them of which one's better, I think they each have their own pros and cons, but... Um, I'm very glad James Gunn's coming back because I think those two movies, um, uh, he did a great job with, and I, it would be hard to pass that off to someone else in the way that it was going. Like, I feel like if he does his... Well, to replicate his style, right? right? Like, it would come off as inauthentic. Yeah, so I feel like him coming back to do the third one, and then maybe if he steps away after that, that, that's fine, but if someone had to step in with his script and stuff, it would have felt weird. It would have been the Royal Coke version of, uh, uh, Guardians movies. Uh, so yeah, that's what I watch, man. Um, that's pretty much everything. I can't think of anything else. When are you going to watch Thor: The Dark World? I will not watch Thor: The Dark World <laughs> again. I won't watch Thor one or two um, ever again. <laughs> I feel like they basically rebooted his character with Ragnarok, and there's which like, is good. Which so there's no point in even going back to those movies because I like other than I guess like backstory and and Loki, um, but yeah, I mean I think you get the best Thor in the Avengers movies anyway. <laughs> and then Right, like, it's the same thing with the Hulk, uh, right? Like right. the Hulk doesn't really although I, I think they made it work with Ragnarok, but with the Hulk, it's like the Hulk didn't work in any of the solo movies, MCU or, you know, pre MCU, but yet he works 
best in that first Avengers film, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, and in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, 100%. He's a side character. like, And yeah. he's a good supporting character, and, but you don't need a, him as a lead. Thor's a great lead. It's just they finally found... That's why I hope Hemsworth sticks around, because I feel like they finally found what that character probably should be. So, uh, yeah, I'll make my way they through. They finally hammered it out. Yeah, exactly. I think Age of Ultron is my next one um which again is in the lower tier but because it's part of i'm trying to watch all of the avengers films at least leading into endgame and um i remember not hating it as much when i watched it last year and i got the 4k so i kind of want to check it right and it's the first time that it kind of introduces wakanda right and they mentioned andy circus as well right vision being a big part of it right like he comes out of that and yeah andy circus is is has a role too so i'm excited to revisit that even though i rewatched all these uh last year um the topic I wanted to move on to next before we go into uh, uh, staying at home and trailer talk and all that stuff uh, is we are surprisingly through a quarter of 2019 already. And, and it's also our, our quarter episode. Yeah, our 25th episode. Uh, it just happens to fall on the, the exact uh, time. Um I can't believe it's been a quarter of the year. Yes. It seems we're already in April. I, I know a quarter's not that much. It's only been three months, but like I don't know, man. It just like I it I don't know. Christmas feels like yesterday and right. um and and I guess where, where did March go? March is the month where I'm kinda like, Oh yeah, it's not March anymore. <laughs> right. See? I know, man. And like in January, February, and March are always kind of weird with when it comes to movies because I feel like... It's well, it's all, either a dumping ground for stuff yeah. that couldn't work any other time of the year and the studio is hoping to make a quick buck on it. Yeah. But more recently, though, they've been um, good in, in taking chances or releasing films that might do well that are also of quality. I mean, Get Out, obviously. Once we get uh, into mid-February... Right? Yeah, we're, yeah, Black Panther. Yeah, January's still a dumping ground. Right. No one wants to touch February. Although, I mean, thankfully, we had the Paddington movies released in January, and even though they were kind of runoffs of they December, were December but, movies, I mean, it's still right? nice to get something like that so early. Yeah, they probably intentionally hold yeah. them off. Or even <laughs> True Detective, that first season of True Detective, when it started at the beginning of the year, it was kind of uh-huh. nice to have something fresh to enjoy because obviously we weren't, we're not doing, you know, Sundance where, you know, film critics can at least get away from the monotony of talking about the Oscars to the 10th, 13th time and, and going over that stuff again and again, where you're looking for something new and fresh to kick off your year and all you have is, you know, the upside or something like that. So. Right. So basically, I just wanted to, uh, I think every three months or so, I feel like it'd be fun to kind of check in and see how our best of 2019 list is shaping up. Yeah, I think we should um, probably do another one in June because that'll be the first six months of the year. And usually people do that kind of report card yeah. at that point as I well. I know it's very early and like I've, the the movies that I put on my best of 2019 Now list, we should I'm also like, specify, these are films that are uh, available theatrically or streaming right now. We're not putting anything on that we um, saw at that festivals. we saw at festivals from the previous year because I do have some movies that are in contention for um, the end of the year. But we're talking about movies that you can either go see now or you can rent or buy on iTunes or yeah. Netflix or any other streaming. Service. We want to make sure that they came out in this first quarter of the year, so you guys have a chance to. Um, Go check them out. So we're going to open up our letterbox accounts. Yeah, I'll just quickly. We don't have to go too deep into this, but the uh, I, again, I usually only put movies that I'm around 
a four or above on like a top list. And last year Same. I, I had, um, God, I had way too many. I made a top 25, I think, but I still had movies that were four stars and that I had to cut from that list. So I know a lot of these movies will probably drop off and might not make my top 25 by the end of the year. But, but it's nice um, to you know talk about films that are, are worthwhile and recommending and, and, and getting people interested in stuff that's available now that you can actually see. And, yeah. and, and you know you don't have to wait for the quote-unquote quality months of October to December or the summer months like there's something available now that's worth of interest yes exactly so I don't even have 10 films yet which I I mean I think that's fine but I have nine so um I will go through all nine quickly and then you can go through yours whatever you have on yours and then we can kind of talk about it so uh, at number nine, a movie that I, I don't think will be here by the end of the year, but I still wanted to give it a shout out. Um, kind of enjoyed fighting with my family more than I thought I would. Right. Um, uh, which, if you guys aren't familiar, I mean, with WrestleMania weekend coming up, it's the, the story of uh, Paige in the WWE and how she kind of her uh, was brought up in a wrestling family and gets introduced into uh, uh, WWE. So uh, directed uh, written and directed by Stephen Merchant <laughs> um, starring Florence Pugh and um, produced by the rock um, produced by the rock. Um, so um, yeah, I r- enjoyed it. Um, I again, don't think it'll be there at the end of the year. I, I have some nitpicky issues with the movie, but I do. Well, there think is some it's... continuity stuff. Like you showed me the, uh, where, you know, the, Without going into spoilers, but this is you know you know she was in the WWE. Yeah, um, you showed me the the her like debut the actual contrast between the film and what really happened, and and there is a significant amount of yeah as you they, said continuity issues and they take some liberties art, yeah artistic, artistic license liber- which I understand, but it's hard to kind of with something that's so recent and something you're so familiar with because right. I've been a wrestling fan, it was hard to kind of look away at that stuff because I'm like ah you're. I don't know. You're very you're movieizing this a lot, which I understand. Where I didn't notice but, it that much, uh, of course. So, but I did want to give it a shout out. I thought it was highly enjoyable. Um, Vince Vaughn's actually surprisingly good in the movie. And, he is, yeah. Um, uh, enjoyed it a lot. Um, uh, another movie I don't think that will be there by the end of the year, but uh, Captain Marvel uh, uh, at number eight is still again. I've talked about it over and over again. I'm a shill for the MCU. I, I just really love that universe. And um, as much as Captain Marvel kind of fell a little bit on my second watch, um, I'm curious of how after I sit on it and watch it, maybe next year, watch all the Marvel movies again, every single one, see how it holds up. But um, enjoyed it. Um, and then Seven and Above are movies that I could see hovering around for the – uh, the rest of the year, but well, it's so early, it's hard to tell, but, um, uh, a review that we did waiting for the punchline, um, which is, uh, a doc about Nick Scarpino and his journey, uh, in the San Franciscan, uh, is that, is that how you say it? I don't we know. I keep that? saying it. I keep saying San Franciscan, but, um, uh, comedy scene, uh, highly, highly enjoyable, available on, uh, Rooster Teeth. If you guys want to check that out, uh, Apollo 11, uh, another documentary, which I thought was, uh, uh, just a, I thought the footage was incredible and um, and stunning for being a movie that uh, uh, I mean they shot a lot of this footage on uh, six, 65 millimeter cameras 
uh, back during the um, Apollo 11 launch. Mm-hmm. Um, thought that was great. Alita Battle Angel, a movie I did not expect to love as much as I did. Thought it was really, really uh, enjoyable. Um, I have the Lego Movie Part 2, which I thought was a great brother-sister um, story and a great kind of uh, way to take that. I didn't know where they would go with the meta story in the second one, and I, I, I really, really enjoyed and connected with what they kind of showcased there, and I thought they uh, did a great job of kind of um, uh, not doing a retread of the, right. of the first movie. And it's also because it's it's a direct sequel, the meta stuff and, and the kind of the references to the real world make more sense than the spinoffs. Because with the spinoffs, I was questioning, is this still, you know, from the point of view of these kids? Yeah. Or is it like something else entirely? Right. And so I really, uh, really enjoyed Lego Movie 2. And then a couple Netflix movies with High Flying Bird and Triple Frontier, uh, which you guys have heard us rave about um, uh, on here. And then uh, my number one of the year, which I think everyone should check out, but might not be for everyone, is The Beach Bum. Uh, So, yeah, I think those are the best movies of the year so far. Um, A lot of them you can, I mean, three that are on streaming services right now with Triple Frontier, High Flying Bird, and Waiting for the Punchline. Um, The rest uh, aren't quite out on Blu-ray yet, I don't think, or or Uh, digital. Apollo 11 is coming out in May. Yeah. Um, Beach Bum actually has a, a tentative release date of yeah. June. Oh, because uh, no one's seeing it, so it's right. just going right to yeah, I know to blue. Right. Um, so anyways, yeah. I think a solid oh Lego Movie as well as May. Yeah, too. Just quite soon. Yeah, 4K. Yeah. Um, I think a solid start to the year. Again, I'll, I'll be curious to see how many of these last until um when we revisit this in three more months or maybe by the end of the year, and and it'll be kind of fun to see what sticks around but right um and like something like us uh which i thought would probably be on this list uh didn't quite make it for me uh, it's it's weird for me to say that i didn't i enjoyed these movies right more. even though that fell on our most anticipated but um a lot of pressure um which didn't quite live up to my expectations how about you well i mean i have uh uh, uh some overlap that you know you yeah. have so i'll try not to go too into it and i I don't really have uh um you know like numbered order uh sorry about that (laughs) um we were (laughs) Eric was in the middle of speaking and I yanked out uh, my microphone cord and everything went to shit. So uh, apologies. Uh, (laughs) You could say we're having some technical difficulties. We are, uh, but we are back. Uh, Eric, you were mentioning you didn't have them numbered or anything. Yeah, so I just have kind of a a bunch of films. And and to save a little bit of time, I mean, we've we've talked a lot about um, certain movies on the podcast and also on the movie reviews podcast. So you can go back and listen to that for our full thoughts. Um, but I would say the film that it will probably be on my top 10, 15, 25 at the end of the year um, will be Apollo 11. There's just I, I haven't seen anything quite like this in a very long time. Um, and it's really inspiring. And it again, like it shows you what the U.S. was doing and innovating at, at a time where, you know, boundaries were being pushed. But um nobody was saying you can't do this and now it feels like you know compared to the u.s now 
it's kind of a shame. And and again, just seeing the footage of you know young Neil Armstrong and and Buzz Aldrin, it's just incredible to look back on. And and it's kind of an intense thriller as well because you know what's going to happen and you yeah. know they're going to succeed, but even the smallest malfunction or problem that they have can be the end of the whole thing or you know can get people seriously hurt and yet everything worked and it's the innovation and we know it worked but that's a testament to i think um the footage that yeah. they had and how the documentaries put together that yeah you know- todd douglas miller yeah. who directed it and edited the film i mean he he's crafted a really uh harrowing thriller within a historical document and and again like you're on the edge of your seat sometimes and the footage that he's working with is incredible and um i just think it's one of those great experiences where like it can get people interested in you know uh space exploration and in nasa and show you that it's not just like you know academic it's Mm -hmm. it's you know something adventurous and and exciting and yeah like uh, if my teacher put this on when they were hung over in in high school or something like that i would actually enjoy myself sitting in class which i think is it 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 probably will become one of those oh (laughs) 100 one day or Um, first man (laughs) yeah yeah or and and it's a perfect uh, companion piece i think it would make a great double feature obviously yeah yeah and it's a great companion piece to that obviously and it's also a a, a, a perfect companion piece to the other documentary that's um, kind of its its uh, cousin. cousin, if you will, uh, For All Mankind, uh, which was released in 89 and um, also kind of deals with a similar subject, but on a more kind of on a more technical level. And um, yeah, so it's 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 a film that I would definitely recommend and sort of fighting with that movie. Uh, for the number one spot is Harmony Crin's The Beach Bum, um, the best comedy that I've seen so far this year, and probably one of the best comedies in uh, a really long time. That's consistently funny throughout. Um, great if performances. It hits your sense of humor. yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean, this is an acquired taste. Harmony Crin, of course, is a divisive filmmaker, but yeah. if you do enjoy his style of humor and his perspective on life, then you're going to get that in a perfect uh, blend of uh, herbs and uh, spices, <laughs> if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Again, McConaughey is fantastic in a role he was he was meant to play. Uh, Martin Lawrence is a lot of fun, and the cinematography is Jonah beautiful. Hill's fantastic. Yeah, Jonah Hill's a lot of fun. If you haven't listened well. to our review yet, definitely. Yeah. We go uh, deep into it for about 20, 25 minutes, and uh, we both love it. And I mean, I, I it's the interesting of doing this podcast with you and we're best friends and shit like that but our our tastes align so often that right. i feel like people listening yeah we which just is feel bad a, that it, like it's a, almost like an echo chamber yeah because it's probably both a pro and a con that right. we like a lot of the same stuff i mean we obviously have vast differences um in certain things but um i think our lists are pretty is there anything else that i you had that i didn't have that yeah you so I, I have a uh i put uh leaving neverland on there because right. i was had a visceral experience while watching it. Again, it's a very simplistically made documentary in terms of the technical aspect of it, but the story that it's telling and sort of showing you, uh, you know, an idol uh, and, and, and a person that has uh, the world at their fingertips and is an abuser can destroy lives and how these two men are brave enough to come forward and talk about what happened to them and, in detail, in in very um, descriptive, horrific detail, tell their stories, and uh, it's just 
it was a hard watch. It's not easy to recommend, but at the same time, you feel at least more educated on this on the matter and yeah. understand that you know just because you're famous doesn't mean you know you're you're you can evade laws and 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 shouldn't and like you know hearing recently i don't know if you read any of that stuff that barbara streisand said about michael jackson and giving him a pass yeah that was a little cringy yeah Yeah. and and that kind of stuff and and it just makes you reevaluate things and i think you should i mean you always need to like putting the blame on the victim yeah and she or she was she was saying that like yeah look i believe them but at the same time it's like they wanted it or something yeah but also that michael jackson was such a special person that you know that was fine because he was no. <laughs> yeah, because he was this great artist, and yeah. it's like no, that doesn't give him the right to do that. So um, people in position like that—that's what they think they can get away with right. anything, and that's why they're above they, the law. Yeah. And, and even though he's dead, and and you know the Jackson family and the estate has been very vocal against it, it's it, it is a very compelling documentary in, in that regard. Um, I also really liked How to Train Your Dragon, uh, The Hidden World. Which yeah, I, one I, that I've missed. Uh, I it came at that time where I think I was with Nevis during. Her recovery and um i haven't been able to make it out to go see it yet or like but you also wanted to re-watch the and first i haven't had a chance well, to, right i just haven't i mean i'm re-watching marvel movies for the hundredth time right. but like i do i got them both in 4k and i do want to re-watch those so i now i'm i'm probably better off just waiting until the 4k comes yeah, out. yeah because it's, it's also supposed to be um, may I think? yeah so for me i'll just i'll grab that and i'll do a and then you avoid and this sounds bad but then you avoid children and right stuff at the but it is kind of awkward when you i mean if you're going to a press screening that's one thing but if you're going on your own and you don't either have a child to go with that hopefully is a niece or nephew or yeah. something or, or you're going like or, late at night like a 10 30 yeah yeah it's like it is awkward to go see kids movies that way and 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 i mean i don't i don't really give a shit no but, but there like, is I, there is this kind of expectation right People, I mean, even the going to the movies alone thing, some people don't get. Which I don't understand. I love it. I'm like, I don't fucking care. I'm like, I think, again, I think watching movies, especially in in a cinema, can be a collective experience with a group of strangers or your friend if if certain movies lend to that. And I always go back to comedies and horror movies and things like that. But I do feel like it's a very personal experience because you're you're taking it in and you're in silence, hopefully. Yeah. Um and and kind of and then you discuss it afterwards. But I mean you see movies in Whippy, I see them here, or you see them at a press screening, I go to a paid screening or whatever, and then we discuss it afterwards. We don't need to be sitting beside each other. I get it. You want to be with a friend and you don't want to go do things alone. But I also love the freedom of just you get to go to the movies whenever the fuck you want. Just go to the movies. Yeah, and you get to see the movies you want to see, but also you don't have to worry about what the other person is thinking. It's like, oh, did I drag this person to see this even though I'm enjoying it? And that kind of dampers it a little. I mean, look at The Beach Bum is the perfect example where it's like that's a movie that's not for everybody. And I wouldn't want to invite somebody to hang out with me and watch that movie unless they were familiar with that work and, and, and work comfortable with it but i totally get it like i was um talking about this with our friend mike who i mentioned earlier in the show too because he was going ah, i don't have anyone to see endgame with because uh i mean i live in 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 downtown toronto now mike still lives in in oshawa and um and you and i see press screenings early now so yeah. mike's just like i don't have anyone to see these movies with um and i'm like oh just go alone and he's like i don't want to go alone i'm like who cares i'm like it's it's like liberating you can just go and he's like yeah but big event movies like this where it's like 
a big like you want to experience that with friends and talk about it right afterwards and i'm like yeah okay i can kind of see that with these big gigantic movies like avengers and star wars and and things like that that you might want to see them with like-minded people so you can talk about it right after and not have to just text people who saw it a few days before or or try to find someone who's interested and doesn't want to like a lot of people who aren't hardcore into it will probably just avoid that opening weekend altogether just because it's going to be crazy right and, right um but i told him to go i'm like go to landmark get one of those comfy ass reclining chairs sit by yourself because the only tickets you'll be able to get now are probably single tickets like random single tickets um right if, if that for that opening weekend and we have a story about that uh coming up but oh yeah we do um anything else yeah uh so uh yeah uh how to train your dragon the hidden world is a perfect send-off to that trilogy and dean dubois and company have done a fantastic job and overall just under 10 years um and then also uh the mustang uh with matthias schoenhart as a convict uh who's being rehabilitated through a program of training horses uh i think it's the best one of the best performances i've seen so far this year um and it is a very uh minimalistic quiet uh drama that i don't think a lot of people are really uh catching up with and i hope down the line people will Give it a shot. And um, I'm actually kind of surprised you didn't mention Gloria Bell. You know what? Because I saw it last year at um, the festival, I completely forgot. And I need to add that to my list because it has now been released. And it would probably be maybe number two (laughs) after Beach Bum. So, yeah. Thank you for for reminding me. Yeah, Gloria Bell is excellent. Um, uh, I think it's totally worth it if you aren't familiar with the first um because uh, it is a remake and like you you when we first talked about this during our big tiff recap um which you guys can listen to it's like four hours long um but it is a basically a shot for shot english language remake yeah with of, just some minor tweaks here of, and there uh, the original's just gloria is, yeah yeah and um but julian moore is fantastic i think it's one of the most enjoyable experiences you'll have so far this year. Um, a great looking movie too. And Natasha Breyer, who is the cinematographer, also shot uh, Neon Demon. Yeah, and it's um, I think it's wonderful. So yeah, I think it would. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, that, no problem. That's a, again, yeah, like just, it's a there. festival holdover. And, so. and if you don't see it again, I almost yeah. forget it gets released, right? Which is bad. But right. like, um, I forgot it was released this year because I didn't really go through everything. This is just I've been adding things as I go. Like if I gave it four stars on Letterboxd, I add it and then I take it off or move it around. Right. Whatever. And Gloria Bell, I do want to revisit, but um, uh, there's just too, so much going on. I haven't been able to, but I'll definitely pick it up when it comes out on uh, either digital or or if it gets a 4K. I doubt it, but... Right. Um, and then, I mean, like, there's other stuff as well that I kind of enjoyed that I wouldn't give necessarily four stars, but I was kind of either intrigued by or at least was uh, along for the ride. Like, even something like Climax, which I don't think is a great yeah. movie, but, I mean, I was kind of invested in the anxiety and atmosphere that Gaspar Noé I've gone back and rewatched the opening credits that take place an hour and a half into the movie yeah I mean like (laughs) that that opening dance number is incredible yeah I appreciate um, I don't even like dance that much no that's what I mean but that single take right is is just crazy it's got to be one of the longest I'm one's ever but right um I was mesmerized by that and then the opening credits take place like 
two thirds of the way through the movie and they're uh, ridiculous. But um, yeah, I, w- I would give a shout out to climax, like an honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, again, not a movie for everyone. No, but um, if you're open to it, I think you might uh, uh, enjoy it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and again, like it's been a, it's been a good uh, couple of few months now and, and uh, hopefully there'll be some more stuff coming up soon that we can uh, recommend. And um yeah, I mean, we're getting into that. Uh, I mean, we're going to be talking about CinemaCon later, which kind of previews a lot of the stuff coming out in the next year or so. But we're starting to hit that uh, summer summer season, right, with Endgame in a few weeks, like um, which is the big, big kickoff of the summer season. And then uh, usually you get that first gigantic one, which, I mean, Captain Marvel just passed a billion dollars. So, I mean, it was the first one, which right. is in February. But it's earlier and earlier every year, right? Oh, 100%. I'm just quickly looking to uh, see if there's anything else that we might have missed. I mean, even though I didn't love the movie, but I still found it absolutely intriguing, was the fire uh, doc on Netflix. I agreed, agreed, Like, I only gave it three stars, but, like, at the same time, I was still... I think a highly enjoyable watch. Yeah, I don't know if it's one of the best movies of the year. And a lot of people actually saw it. Yeah. Which is surprising for a documentary, you know, a documentary yeah. streaming on Netflix that was competing against a film, uh, another doc that was very similar on Hulu. Right. I haven't seen the Hulu one yet. I haven't either. Is it available in Canada or do you have to pirate it? Probably you know, pirate it. Yeah. Um, seems fitting for that right. fucking thing. All right. Let's art, move. art imitating life. Yeah. Right? Um, looking forward to the next uh, couple months. There's a lot of great, great stuff coming. Yeah. There's some, I mean, there's some good stuff um, in April that I've already seen. I mean, I know you're not a big fan of High Life, but I mean, the you're TIFF right. version I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, there's an Aretha Franklin documentary that's opening soon. So there, there's a lot of stuff down the pipeline. I mean, even. You know, with midsummer moving to uh, July now, it's when was it supposed to be August? August before, yeah, but it's been moved up to July, the first week of July, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool, excited, man. All right, let's move to staying at home. I uh, will quickly go through this. I just have a few um, uh, highlights on digital on iTunes, which is my platform of choice. Uh, this is the Canadian iTunes store. Sorry. Uh, anyone internationally um we don't give you great uh tips on deals right um but i think a lot of the similar sales would be on the american itunes store but uh here in canada i want to give a shout out uh to pick up uh the 2019 halloween is on for 9.99 in 4k you mean 2018 Um, sorry yep 2018 i have 2019 written here but last october (laughs) halloween 2019 it's the next remake yeah uh, First Man, a movie uh, that I don't love, but for $10 in 4K, um, especially talking about Apollo 11 earlier in the show. Um, it makes you want to go back and rewatch it because that's does. what I did after watching did Apollo you? Okay. 11. Yeah. And I feel like it would benefit from that. And I, I feel like I didn't give it quite a fair shake at TIFF because I felt like the experience of watching it kind of ruined it. Yeah, and we were um, coming from Widows and also it was where we were sitting next to... Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> um, that was kind of like... It wasn't the greatest because we were looking up and we were closer to I'm the I'm just front. sensitive that I even today watching Teen Spirit. Um, oh, there's some strobe lighting. Strobe lighting that, that yeah. really, and that shit fucks me up the older I get now. Yeah. I'm like, strobe light stuff really bothers me, my eyes um, a lot. Um, so I had to look away for a, a chunk of Teen Spirit. And then in First Man, because we were four rows up in the gigantic Cinesphere IMAX, I just felt nauseous. Um, so I feel like maybe watching it at home uh in 4k um yeah at your might leisure be, might be uh better. not having to you know have your neck pointed up so 
far at the and screen, I had to look so. away a lot too because I was just getting nauseous, yeah. right? Which I feel like I won't won't happen at home. And then uh, the favorite is also uh, ten dollars in four K. So those are three movies. I I mean, for ten dollars, it's less than you're gonna pay to actually go see it in the theater. And I right. know there's all the back and forth of do you really own these when you purchase them? And I, I don't think Apple's going anywhere um, because there's that big thing about uh, I think Microsoft was shutting down their ebook store and. Um, if you purchased a book on their ebook store, you just don't have access to it anymore, which is... Are they going to give you a refund? I don't think so, um, <sighs> which is scary, right? Because when you purchase something, that's all in those terms of service, right? right. Where you're only buying a license uh, for it, essentially, right? Yeah. So that's a little bit terrifying, but this I mean... This is why physical I, media I know, dude, important. but you know it's going away eventually. No, I know, but I know, like, but, but imagine like, you know, we had a situation where, you know, the power shut down like a blackout again right. or something like yeah. that and and like but it lasted much longer or something happened where we needed even just not not even just you know media but like go to going to a grocery store or something like that like 20 years from now where we're complete like i just don't want to be completely dependent on technology and that's but what we are of, we already are. I, I know but that's what scares me a little bit if someone attacked us that way of just shut down all of our infrastructure like the internet imagine if someone just matt there was no collusion <laughs> if, imagine someone just shut down the internet everything right. would be fucked yeah. everything would be fucked yeah well like that's why i'm worried about like the the generation of kids growing up now that are like literally as soon as they're born have a, a cell phone and are, yeah. are integrated into the world of technology where at least i mean we... i i'm embracing it i guess and i'm just like if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen we're all gonna be fucked right. anyway but well, you're like, an early adopter i am an early adopter of everything you're and gonna like, become and... danny mcbride in uh this is the end yeah. if, if the world goes to shit yeah I mean, yeah, when it comes to tech, I just, I've learned to just embrace it and just, I mean, I well, love... Well, I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. I know, wrong, but you but... still, I get that if you want the best quality of something, you still want physical yeah. media. I mean, I, like, like, for example, like, I carry cash on me just Where just I don't. I, I was the first person, like, I used to make fun of my friend Ryan Byrne because he would always have cash and you're the same way and I kind of give you shit for it because you'll repay me and I'm like, why the fuck are you giving me a $20 bill? I don't, like, say this to your face. Right, yeah. Just behind just your tell back. Me, just tell me on the podcast. Uh, yeah, on the podcast. Because <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? am i gonna do with this i'm gonna spend it on some trash i'm gonna leave the change somewhere or nevis is gonna take it because i left a 20 dollar bill on the counter because i right. don't i never use cash right like i put everything on my credit card and i'm just hoping you know one day the banks all shut down and then, right i'm just kidding i that's that would be horrible for but me then then, then again anything. i mean like will money be the currency that we're you know using right. to I don't know. Buy things at that point if everything kind of goes to but hell. But if my movie collection goes to shit, like I don't think Apple's going anywhere. So I've invested heavily in, in the iTunes store. But who knows with this Apple TV Plus stuff and like subscription services, like what happens if they decide to just not sell movies anymore? Do I still have access to those? And like if they only have a streaming service, I, I don't think that'll ever go away because that's where things are going. And I don't think physical media will ever go away either, right? If right. people want it, some things won't be available. I mean, look on... at DVD still going. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's only because everyone had a DVD player, right? And, right? and a lot of people just got to a point where they just, they just, they're like, this is good enough, right? I think right. everyone hits that But threshold. even VHS now is making this weird comeback. I mean, we were talking about Climax. I mean, A24 was Put distributing that on yeah. on VHS. And, and um, I mean, obviously it's, it's supposed to be a gimmick, but uh, even Bumblebee with Paramount. I thought that was an April Fool's joke, though. No, there I were some people that did get copies. Were there it. more? Yeah. Because I saw one video and I was like, is this an April Fool's from this guy from a Blu-ray site? Um, because that's the only one I saw. Really? I didn't see other people Well, because there was Stranger it. Things as well, which there's a VHS version. Yeah. Of. Um, 
I mean, again, I know it's a gimmick because of the nostalgia yeah. of the time period, but like, I mean, I think vinyls like records, hold up right? because the yeah, vinyl holds up because I feel like the sound quality is still pretty decent um if you have a good record player and a, and a good sound system but like a vhs i'm like i guess that's more of a novelty to me i mean right. i think eventually um once things go more strictly digital i i don't think everything will be available physically but i think a lot of things you'll be able to kind of get through specialty brands and we've talked about right this boutique before. labels yeah. and what have you um now i got a, one more question with the, the money thing when you travel um do you bring cash with you uh, to? No, dude. I'm. I'm not even. Not even internationally no, or, or. No, really? I, if I need it, I'll take it out at a bank machine there. Like your bank has partnerships with like. No, I understand that, but it's yeah. just it's always good to have it in, in if you're in a pinch, especially if it's like. A, no, if somewhere doesn't take fucking credit card, I'm not like. Again, I'm not going to some like everywhere I go. You can find somewhere that takes a credit card. Right, but it doesn't right. take a Visa or an American Express or like. Um, I just. To me, I'm like, I don't want extra crap. I don't want to have to count change. I don't want to have to do any of that okay. stuff. So I'm like, just fucking tap my Apple thing. Like the Apple credit <laughs> tap card. Tap my is Apple. Like, yeah. Like my watch and my phone. And I'm like, I barely like, I get annoyed now when I have to pull out my credit card. <laughs> if they Like you guys don't have Apple Pay? What kind of fucking archaic system are you running over here? I sound very entitled and stupid right now. But right. I'm mostly joking. I'm, I'm playing it up. But yeah. Um, but there's some truth to that. A hundred percent there's truth to it. I mean, I'm not ashamed to say like... There's part of me that goes, I got Well, it's like how I feel with Blu-rays, right? And 4Ks, yeah. like, compared to DVD and, like, you know, like, right. when I talk about it, it's like it's a I sound entitled. entitled. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, it's just a personal preference. I'm not right. shitting on anyone who does like to use cash or right. who does like to... I just uh, think of it as, a, like, in case of emergencies kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's just always... It's like a like a comfort kind of thing. It's like, just in case, you never know. But I, I just embrace it because I know inevitability is coming and and like we can't stop what's coming i think I, I i think everything will be digital i don't know if we'll even have physical money or physical movie discs or anything like uh, again you'll find some person who who is passionate like you are who will make them from a boutique label and will make money off of it because they'll be one of the few people doing so right um, cause I, yeah, you'll find that niche market and it's, we've talked about it over and over again of how movie theaters are going too. And it's all going to get into this weird thing where everything's going to be accessible at your fingertips, but there are going to be, uh, people who want that tangible physical thing in their hands or will want to actually go to the theaters and yada, yada, yada. Right. So I think that'll always be available because it'll be profitable because, um, it'll be on a smaller scale, right? Like, um, single theaters or they'll print on demand, right? There'll be a company that can probably print a movie. It's just licensing gets tricky. Cause what happens if Disney decides, yeah, we're not doing Blu-rays anymore. Everything's on Disney plus, right? right. Like, which they could, and they, and they can like, sure. And maybe they they're not the going to turn, they're too. not going to turn down extra money. If some boutique label goes, well, we'll give you a percentage if you let us print your discs, uh, if someone wants, right, them, and that's right? kind of what Criterion like, does with some films, like like whether it be you know deal with Warner Brothers or Sony or what have you. Not with Di- they've never released a, a Disney movie, but right, um, yeah, so something like that or Shout Factory with Universal and. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of physical, uh, anything you wanted to mention this week? Of yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 not a great week, but. Um, Vice is available on uh, Blu-ray, and uh, we reviewed it on on the show. And 
Christian Bale, I think, probably should have won Best Actor in that yeah. in that group of uh, five nominees. Agreed. I like Vice a lot. So, yeah. And, yeah. Um, again, a very divisive movie. And uh, also um, a movie that I didn't talk about that I, I, I forgot about was um, – the man who killed Hitler and then uh, Bigfoot. Uh, right? Did was, you watch it? I did. Oh, it's did fun. You? It's yeah. fun. It's very melancholy and um, weird. Like it's not like it sounds almost like a joke kind of movie, but it takes itself very, very seriously, seriously, and yeah. that's kind of what's funny about it. And it's sincere. Um, and Sam Elliott's great in it. Like he still he still has it. Like as like a physical presence. Like you buy him as a guy who's like, I love him. You yeah, know, he's running amazing. around in the wilderness <laughs> fighting Bigfoot. <laughs> Yeah. It really is the missing link. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, Invincible that I was mentioning earlier, because you brought up uh, uh, Sam Elliott. Um, the, so Mark Grayson's dad is Nolan Grayson, who is actually a um, an alien from another planet, um, kind of like Superman. But they're um, a, a race called the Viltrumites, and one of their features is a... Um, everyone has a mustache and that's a literal thing so all every every adult male in their in their race all has a mustache so I, when i'm thinking about casting i'm just thinking about iconic older men with mustaches right so i hope they cast sam elliott and nick offerman and tom uh, selleck tom and... selleck yeah <laughs> like someone said tom selleck would be really great as the dad and well it sounds I like mean, they... jk simmons is the person they cast in the animated series yeah right? or kurt russell even yeah he's got great facial hair in general um but it also sounds like um the robots from Transformers who have their there's in the Transformers movie there's a there's a group of robots on a colony planet that all have mustaches. Yeah, so that's what the Viltrumites all have. Yeah. So um, a, a ceremonial mustache, or something is what they. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous, but uh, but then you have to have someone like Michael Sarah with the mustache from Youth and Revolt who can't really grow a great mustache but still tries. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's uh, talk some trailers now. Uh, not a ton of trailers this week, but some big ones. So uh, let, let's kick it off with the biggest one. Uh, we finally got our first look and first teaser trailer for uh, Todd Phillips' Joker film starring Joaquin Phoenix. Love that Joker. Um, so we've been talking about this for a while, not knowing what the hell to expect. Um, and I still don't know what yeah, to what expect. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I liked the trailer in terms of it... Uh, presenting a character study. I mean, obviously, with Martin Scorsese being an executive producer, the references to both Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, uh, King of Comedy with De Niro being in it as well, um, have been mentioned. And even more recently, just with Joaquin Phoenix being in You Were Never Really Here, uh, have a very similar vibe. I think whatever Joaquin Phoenix is doing is intriguing. Um, but I'm also worried about him in a strange way just because like he looks so thin and i know it's for the and he part. dives into these things yeah yeah like yeah. he is a method actor but i'm excited for that i didn't know that brian tyree henry's in the film oh he didn't no because it wasn't announced in the original really? casting and well the, I the other i people... read something that he was uh, zazzy beats too zazzy well. beats was and then also um uh shia wiggum and bill yeah. camp as as cops um um, but then originally, like, Alec Baldwin was going to play Thomas Wayne. But, um, yeah, it, it has, like, a very dark kind of tone. And that, those those stairs uh, at the end of it, they look like the stairs or the staircase from The Exorcist, which mm -hmm. I thought was kind of interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I I really dug the trailer. Um, again, my morbid curiosity is, is getting the best of me here because... 
again, DC not the best track record, but it seems like they're... And even what they're doing with this, what what does this mean? Is this yeah. just a solo one-off movie, or if it is... Successful, is, is it, it going to be integrated into Matt Reeves' Batman, Batman film that's coming along? And Yeah, because they said it takes place in the 70s? 80, 80, 80s. 81 or 82, which is right. around the same time that the King of Comedy was made. Right, interesting. And then people were speculating that that kid that's in the trailer might be Bruce Wayne. And uh, well, I think it is because yeah. they they announced that Bruce Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne are in the are movie. in the movie. Yeah. So that kid that he kind of there are yeah. some creepy imagery in it. And I'm like, uh, I I thought it looked like the style actually worked really really well. The the song choice is obviously great and and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, my one thing is I don't think Todd Phillips is a great filmmaker right he's uh, still the wild card and and his best film is still starsky and hutch i I agree completely i tweeted that um i uh again i'm mildly enjoyed uh the hangover movies or at least the first one um and i don't know if i even finished the third one when i did my rewatch late last year i probably did but i barely remember it like you hope that Um, this isn't going to be too broy or or what yeah and it it looks like it's not going to be but it's hard to tell right right um i i really dug it though i think i'm excited for anything joaquin phoenix does and yeah uh, he i think he 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 will make a great joker right uh it'll be something different and if it is just a again some people don't like knowing the joker's backstory like people that's part of the the whole thing with that character well that's what makes him scary is the ambiguity right yeah you just came out of nowhere and and it's almost like he's a response to or representation of chaos exactly so um yeah i'm intrigued I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I, again, I think there uh, there's some shots in there. I'm like, oh, that's actually quite disturbing looking. Or, um, like, even the way his bot he moves his body and stuff. Yeah, like well, that again, and, like uh, him being so thin, like yeah. you can see his rib cage and his, his bones popping out. Yeah. I mean, he's he is a physical actor as well. But again, it's just so weird to see, you know, him going from more being more portly in you were never really here to like just skin and bones. Mm-hmm. And we don't get a sense of exactly like. I'm curious to see how much action there will be. It's, I think it will be more of a drama, but like how villainy he gets, or is that just going to yeah, be Yeah, what, what are his the, motivations yeah, in terms of like what is, what are what his plans? What does he accomplish? And like, it, yeah, because we've seen set photos and different things like that that's make it seem like he will be the Joker for a significant chunk of this movie where instead of him just building up to that moment. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by this and I'm have no idea what DC's doing right now, right. but uh, it'd be even stranger if they like decided to go the festival route with something like this. People are speculating that man. Like, well, I, I know. Cause I mean, some people even, and I think again, it's way too early for like, Oscar Oscars. Stuff and, and I'm like, like, guys, come on. It's a, it's a minute and a half trailer. Let's yeah. chill. Um, and I mean, where were you last year for Joaquin? Like, and it's come Todd on. Phillips. Yeah, exactly. On, like, Although Todd Phillips is an Academy Award nominee, he got a, a nomination for co-writing uh, Bo Rat. Right, he did. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I don't want to shit on the guy either, because like again, no. I but he, when but I was there's younger, a certain, there's a certain when you uh, you associate certain things with Todd Phillips. Yeah, when you think I, of him. You think and, again of bro culture and bro comedy too. Because yeah. even when I was younger, I like again I admittedly when i was younger loved old school and road trip uh um, frank the tank yeah like i and i still they're stupid but i still enjoy those right and um like war dogs is awful and uh i swear that uh, jonah hill is playing brett ratner in that movie yeah war dogs is bad due date's not very good 
He didn't do that, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, that is really um, bad. And, and again, that was kind of off the success of The Hangover. Hangover, yeah. but Zach Galifianakis' uh, popularity at the time. Uh, School for Scoundrels was another one that he did with Billy Bob Thornton and John Heater. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a lot of his movies feel like they're just kind of of the moment or like they, they take what's popular at that time, but it's nothing really... Um, innovative or groundbreaking or or it's like oh this came from this movie it's just kind of like oh these people were funny in other films let's put them in this movie and make it work mm-hmm. like the hangover a little bit dis- i was i guess a quote-unquote discovery for zach galifianakis but he'd been around in other stuff as well so fair yeah yeah i'm um i'm looking forward to it though i i more and more i'm uh again after Seeing what they've been doing with Aquaman and then Shazam, as much as we didn't even like Shazam and I felt like it, we're stuck in between the two different versions of the DC films. Yeah. Um, this seems like the first big step of going, we're going to tell individual stories, folk, character-focused stories. Some will be big-budget action superhero blockbusters, but we might go a little bit of a weirder route and give you uh, a Joker film. And, right. And- but it still could go... Poorly, because think about, like, remember when the first trailer for Suicide Squad came out and people were kind of like, okay, this might this actually great, work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and again, it's like we're doing something different with the DCEU, and then it turned out to be flaming hot garbage. And that was the epitome of not knowing what the fuck they wanted to do, right? And right. they were stuck in between. Where I feel tones. Joker is closer to, in terms of tone, like Batman versus Superman and... Um, Suicide Squad, oh, like in terms of like the darker stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, of course, it's going to be very, very dark, yeah. but um, and it just looks dark and gross looking yeah. too at times too. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, let's move on to uh, the Dead Don't Die. So we got a trailer for Jim Jarmusch's next film, uh, a zombie film starring Bill Murray and uh, Adam Driver, as well as a slew of other people. Um, Tom Waits. Tom Waits, uh, Tilda Swinton, uh, Steve Buscemi, Steve Chloe Buscemi. Sevigny, Selena Gomez, yes, Iggy um, Pop as a zombie, yeah, yeah, a coffee-loving zombie. Uh, your thoughts? I thought I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, uh, we talk about it all the time, like why don't trailers do this anymore when we watch old horror movie trailers and things like that. I thought this perfectly emulated uh, an old-school horror movie trailer, and yeah. I thought it was. Uh, very clever, and uh, I'm looking forward to this a lot. And of like, course, Adam Driver's delivery of the wor- word "ghouls" <laughs> yeah, uh, is pretty good. It looks good. like goofier than I almost even expected. It, it looks like, like he's try- it's almost like Jim Jarmusch is trying to do his Shaun of the Dead. Yes, where like exactly. it's a horror comedy that it probably will still respect the horror and make the zombies a threat, but it's also having fun with it. I mean, with Tilda Swinton playing a mortician with a you know samurai, a samurai sword. sword, reminded me of Ghost Dog as well quite yeah. a bit. It. Um, so things like that, I think, will be fun. And, and and when Jim Jarmusch is in playing in genre mode, he can he can have a lot of fun with it. Although Limits of Control, I will say, it was kind of disappointing, which was his like spy movie. Okay. Um, but this looks like it's going to be fun, and it got moved up to June. Um, there was no real date for it. Everybody speculated that it was going to be a fall film, and it'll probably end up playing can uh, most likely, anyways. Mm-hmm. Anything else on? on no, it? I'm just excited for it. Yeah. I'm just excited to see what a Jim Jarmusch zombie comedy is going to be. I mean, it's very deadpan already. Um, sorry for the dad joke there, but um, Eric gave these eyebrows as he said the word <laughs> deadpan. <laughs> if only wanna... you could see it. Uh, but I'm, but I'm excited. I can understand people seeing that trailer that are not again like Jim Jarmusch has a very distinct, dry sense of humor. So maybe 
people won't really like that with their zombie movie. But, but... I'd say go back and check out some of his other stuff and see yeah. if it vibes with you. Like, um, oh God, I keep – what's the vampire one? Only Lovers Left Alive, yeah. which is a perfect uh, yeah. comparison in, in terms of like he respected – the genre and the milieu he was playing in, but at the same time, really inserts his his, his own style, yeah. yeah, as the hangout movie. So this is going to be, you know, the zombie hangout film. Yeah, I'm I'm really really looking forward to it. Uh, and then finally, um, a TV trailer that we both uh, I, I watched it this morning. Um, I think it just came out today. Uh, yesterday. 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 Um, Nicholas Winding Refn's uh, "Too Old to Die Young," his Amazon series, uh, had its first trailer drop with fantastic um, four star Miles Teller. Yep, in the Ryan Gosling <laughs> role. Right. <laughs> like, um, I'm like, well, okay, yeah, this definitely seems like Nicholas Winding Refn. Very Wanna fight. Uh, uh, a lot of neon, um, a lot of dark brooding kind of sequences, a lot of like quiet uh, masculinity coming from Miles Teller. Right. Um, Pretentious philosophical yeah. dialogue that, I mean, it, 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 it sounds that way more because it's been cut to the trailer or used for the trailer, but some right. of like the lines. A synthy score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a Cliff Martinez. It is kind Cliff of, Martinez, yeah, right? So, yeah, so um, I kind of like uh, John Hawks's scruffy look and yeah. um, that, I think that's going to be a lot of fun for him to play that role because I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, there was a time where he was popping up in everything. Yeah, I after Winter's like. Bone, like yeah. he, it was kind of like his moment to shine and now like, I, st- I mean, he's still great in wherever he, you know, shows up, but yeah, it's nice to see him again and looking like he just crawled out of a dumpster. <laughs> yeah. No, I excited but cautious, like cautiously excited because right. uh, however many, I think this is 10 episodes. Yeah, and they're supposed to be what, like mini movies each one, like yeah, 90 like, minutes or are so. Are they? Yeah. Oh, he mentioned they yeah, were Yeah, because he's be been shooting long. this for over a year and a half now. Yeah. And like even Cliff Martinez was like, it's really hard to score because it's like 16 hours yeah. of footage or something. Yeah. Um, so that kind of scares me because I'm like, Ooh, it might be like overly self-indulgent and like even to an extreme, which he already, I like him a lot. I do too, but I think he's Um, a hit or miss filmmaker as well because like it depends where he goes. Like we were talking about Jim Jarmusch with genre when he is genre focused, I think he does the best work drive and Bronson specifically are, and and the pusher movies. This is, that's what it reminded me of the most is his pusher pusher films, films, his pusher trilogy. Um, but when he's doing the kind of art house thing as well, like with Valhalla Rising, it doesn't work. And I felt like only, uh, God Forgives was one of those movies as well, where it's like Ryan Gosling was miscast because it wasn't a role that he really needed to be cast in. Like, it just felt like, yeah, Ryan Gosling can do the strong silent type, the stoic individual, but it's like, it's so distracting because he's such a big star. And I almost feel similar with Miles Teller. It's like, we know Miles Teller as a personality as much as an actor. And it's almost like you kind of want somebody that you don't really know anything about that. You don't want to project your own, uh, you know, uh, baggage or, or, or preconceived notions. Yeah. I'm surprised he just didn't get Gosling again for this, right? Well, it's TV, man. Yeah. Gosling doesn't do TV yeah, yet. The Gosmeister. I know it's prestige TV. I guess. Right. Do, uh, do you think, uh, how, how many, uh, shoots do you think, um, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn wore his blanket on. Uh, probably all of them. Yeah. How violent do you think this thing? Oh, is it'll going be, to be extremely violent. Like yeah. there will be. I, I'm sure. I don't know if we'll get a scene quite as vivid as the final <laughs> sequence in the Neon Demon. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, hey, let the rivers flow, right? I'm down. I I right? haven't watched let much. the rivers yeah, flow. I, I got it. Okay. <laughs> um, I haven't watched much on Amazon to be honest. Like, there's we talked about this I think last week maybe. Too, yeah, with the like, streaming services and everything. Available. I just there's too much that I just like haven't got around to anything on Amazon. And I know I've mentioned invincible over and over again, this episode. And I think that's what will bring me into Amazon prime to watch that. Um, this, I probably will jump in and, and give a shot. But again, I said I would watch Carrie Fukunaga's Maniac, and I haven't done that yet either. Right. So, and, it, and it's interesting as well because it's it, – does it have is a on release Netflix, date, uh, Too Young to Die Old? Yeah, May, I think. Or Too Old to Die Young? Like next month, um, Yeah, because it's also coming out around the same time as, as John Wick, and it has that kind of neon style to it yeah, as well. Yeah, very different. I mean, obviously, but... Keanu Reeves just being in the neon demon. And, right. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jenna Malone as well. I'm kind of excited to see what she's going to do in this because if it's anything like – like the Neon Demon, it's like we're probably going to get one of those really. I would love a 4K up. release of Neon Demon. Yeah, it's, or it's a great too, looking but... movie. Um, corpse scene, so who knows what will be in this? Oh my god, that scene is so fucked. Yeah. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, but I, I just hope. I just feel like if they're all over an hour and there's like 10 or 13 episodes or something, it's going to be way too much Nicholas Winding reference. Well, especially as a binge Uh, watch. Like, I don't think it'll be able to, you won't be able to get burned through it in a day. Like, I think it's going to be something that you'll probably have to like, you know, space out over a couple of weeks or a week or something like that, because it just feels like it's, it's going to be so weighty and ultra violence and philosophical, uh, contemplation that it'll just be too much for, you know, 16 hours straight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, we will report back because we I'm sure both of us will uh, check it out. Yeah, I'm curious about it. Uh, all right, let's move on to the news. Um, so as we mentioned last week, we did a bit of a preview for CinemaCon, uh, which is just wrapping up today. I think it's a final day today. In Vegas. Um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. A little so. underwhelming this year. Yeah, it seems like it. So if people aren't familiar with CinemaCon, it's a a convention for uh, theater owners as well as uh, managers and other people who work in the um, theatrical experience. And uh, press attend as well to cover it. So So we previewed last week of what studios would uh, be doing some presentations. And now that we're late on to Thursday, I think most of the studio presentations have completed. There might be a few uh, more today. I think Paramount was going on as we were recording so i'll jump on twitter to see if there was anything there but uh, i kind of just wanted to go through um some of the reports uh we both looked at uh both collider and uh kate Urblin from indie wire has some uh, reporting who are the people we were kind of following along with so i kind of wanted to go through and and talk about what footage was shown I, I won't go into detail you guys should check out um either indie wire or collider uh had great write-ups on all of the footage that was shown and um so i want to give them credit and you guys go over there to kind of if you want the in-depth kind of this is exactly what we saw uh stuff or we'll just kind of go over the cliff notes kind of versions of what yeah. was shown oh also um, uh eric davis as well at fandango did a lot of yes, coverage fandango on um yeah there's tons of people i'm sure uh if you just uh hit up that hashtag CinemaCon on on Twitter, you'll find something you'll yeah. find uh, a ton of reporting um eric and i were thinking about going this year but it uh uh, they didn't want us, so... <laughs> Rejected. 
let's go through. Let's kick off with, I guess, the uh, the thing I think everyone was waiting for was Disney this year because to see what would happen because the Fox merger happened, what, two weeks ago, a week yeah. ago, um, as well as they have Avengers and Star Avengers in a couple weeks. They have Star Wars later this year. They have a gigantic slate if you include the Fox stuff. Um, so I won't go too into detail, but um, what I found interesting about this is they didn't show anything from Star Wars. Um, which isn't surprising. I think they're waiting for Star Wars Celebration, which is in a week or so. So I'm sure we'll have a first trailer this month for sure. And a title. And a title. Um, they did show a sequence from The Lion King where... Um, actually, first they did a, a sizzle reel that showed Fox footage intertwined with Disney stuff. So it kicked off. I think Logan was featured there. They had a clip from Aliens. Um Bursting uh, out of Mickey Mouse's chest. <laughs> no, yeah, I wish. Um, but they, everyone said it was just bizarre to kind of see a lot of the Fox stuff, and they were very proud of Fox Searchlight and it being its 25th anniversary this year. And I think, which uh, is funny because on that slate that they presented, the only Fox Searchlight movie they had was Tolkien. On the kind of what's coming, kind yeah, because they yeah. didn't they didn't have uh, Lucy in the Sky well, they, or or Antlers because they don't have dates on those yet. Is no, that but why? I mean they but they still they, it just said twenty nineteen. Yeah, um, but then when it comes to the footage that they showed, they showed seventeen minutes from Toy Story four. Um, so the opening 17 minutes of that, which got great reaction from everyone, and said it's pretty much what you would expect, right? Like, um. We had we were kind of skeptic based on the the trailers that they've shown, but um, everyone says it was delightful and and um, shows you the creation of Forky and and how uh, Woody gets back with Bo Peep and what happened to her um, beforehand. Um, we got our first taste of the new um, voice actors for Lion King, so they uh, showed off a scene with Simba and Mufasa, and I think we got a taste of uh, uh, Zazu as well. Um, they showed the friend like me scene from Aladdin, uh, mixed reactions there. More blue Will Smith. Uh, yeah. Some people seem to love it and some seem to go, Oh no. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, I, I still, I don't know. We go back and forth, uh, on that. Someone said, uh, on Collider's report, there's like, uh, complete with Will Smith beatboxing. <laughs> Oh my friend like me um, so i don't know i feel like it'll do really really well but yeah um, i mean there, i think there's going to be a lot of kids and and people our age that grew up with it and uh, unlike dumbo that it's kind of underperforming i think this will be successful no matter what even if it is horrible yeah um, i agree so that and the, yeah like i think both this and the lion king have a built-in audience it just doesn't really matter yeah. and i think there's no way lion king can be bad but there's a very good chance that aladdin could be bad right um, well yeah because i mean it still technically is an animated movie yeah it's, the, right? it's gonna be the same movie and even if aladdin is the same movie i mean i just feel like there's more risk there of it failing miserably um at least from a critical standpoint uh maleficent has a new title called maleficent mistress of evil and they showed uh <laughs> teaser which i don't really care about i thought the first maleficent was very bad yeah and i is that this year yeah october is it yeah they have so much this year yeah i'm like what like why is maleficent this year like give some stuff space to breathe you have frozen in november don't you and like matt they want all the money jesus christ um 
yeah, so, someone said it was very re- uh, weird that um, in Collider's report that they cut from Die Hard to Mary Poppins, like from one after another. Um, and they gave some reporting on X-Men Dark Phoenix and, and uh, a new trailer for that. Um, so and they've just... also said that New Mutants is tentatively still coming out in 2019. Yes. And then they uh, showed uh, the first big thing from their Fox late, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, which is the James Mangold film with Christian Bale and Matt and Damon. Matt Damon. Um, so just interesting that at a Disney conference, they're showing Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, and um, they also had the logo or the 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 title for Ad Astra. So it is yeah. coming, but I don't think it is going to be because they didn't in have May, May on no the, on there. No, it right? just said, it just had all the titles of the films. It had Walt Disney's Ad Astra. Yeah, and then no, it didn't uh, say Walt. Well, Disney's, just 2019. But, yeah. Um, they showed a bit from the Kumail Nanjani, Dave Batista Stuber? Stuber. The Michael Dowse film? Yeah. Michael Dowse. Good for him. You know, we were just talking about him, right? Yeah, the F word. Yeah. we. Oh, yeah. I watched the F word last week. And the F word um, is Fubar. Yes. And then, uh, obviously, I mentioned the Toy Story 4 stuff. So, yeah. Did now, I that's, miss that's interesting because we were talking no, about yeah. that as well. It's like, well, why do you show, you know, 14, 17 minutes of. Of footage, right? Like, of Toy Story 4? Yeah. Because they did that yeah. with... Remember with uh, Inside Out? They showed, they showed like 45 minutes. Yeah. Didn't we get invited to something like that? Did yeah. you go? I did. Because I did. had to do a, a uh, press junket for it. Right. Where they're like, we can't show you the full movie, but here's half of it. Yeah. And then I had to go back and watch Watched. the rest of it, but yeah. see it again. Although it's a good movie, so it yeah. didn't matter. It's just weird when they yeah. do things like that. It almost seems like we don't have much else to show you, so we'll give you this. Right. You know, like, we know you guys will enjoy this, so why not give you 17 minutes from Toy Story 4? Right. Because they didn't show, so... It's better than nothing. They didn't show anything from Avatar. They didn't show anything from Frozen 2 or Ad Astra or... Well, Avatar's uh, not going to be till next year, right? I know, but you might, like, maybe early concept stuff. I don't know. It's, like, a big piece for them, but well, I'm sure next rumors year... Rumors is that on the Twitter sphere that Vin Diesel might be in Avatar now, Yeah, too. I saw that. <laughs> Great. Um... The one thing that people were talking about is that uh, Disney was adamant that we will get new entries in Planet of the Apes and Alien. Um, so they're going to keep the the franchises The darker going. kind of yeah. franchises, which I thought was interesting. I think Planet of the Apes fits their brand a bit more. Alien is the one where we did. I didn't think we would right. get... I'm, I'm hoping that by 2020 they will announce a sequel to A Cure for Wellness. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, mixed uh, in with the Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't think we will ever get that, but I would love that. Uh, let's move on to Universal. Okay. You down for that? Um, they showed off some new stuff from Hobbs and Shaw. Um, Very obviously. excited. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's so soon that, um, I mean, and uh, I just, I cannot wait for that. I did that whole rewatch of the fast movies. Right. And, and um, Idris Elba as well. Speaking of Idris Elba, the thing that everybody wanted to see footage of, and they didn't get anything in terms of actual uh, clips or, or trailers was cats. Yeah. So they talked about cats. It is motion capture. And apparently they are shrinking the actors down, down. to cat size. So all the sets imagine like were gigantic sets to make the cast look like they were cat size oh, this is gonna be so weird <laughs> it's gonna be bizarre and they were all wearing they all wore motion capture suits yeah right? i wish it was just they were wearing like fluffy 
yeah. cat jumpsuits. And they said they have some new technology for the fur yeah. in the movie or something like that. I think it was James Corden like, who was saying it's like it's never been used before. But it's like I, I don't care about this movie, but now I am I just want to see what like that weirdly, is going to look like. Weirdly fascinated um by it. Um, or cats. Yeah, no, I have no idea. Um Dennis Quaid came out to talk about a dog's journey. <laughs> Like, all right. Uh, they had Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish come. Uh, Secret Life of Pets too. Two. No mention of Louis C.K. No. Um. Obviously. No mention of um, uh, Kevin wanting to uh, host the Oscars again. No. Uh. Jason Blum come at, came out to talk about uh, Blumhouse and teased the hunt. Yeah, uh, with Ike uh, Barinholtz and yeah. I think also Ma as well, which is coming very soon with right. Octavia Spencer, which is another movie I keep thinking is going to be very weird ma yeah, yeah a thousand percent. and i'm all for it oh i'm a hundred percent for it the trailer is already like it shows you glimpses of how weird it gets in that last little bit but yeah um i just like octavia spencer hanging out with the young people yeah <laughs> uh little they talked about which comes out in like a couple weeks right yeah um, and it's kind of again like big yeah of, well but, shazam as well yeah. right like we were talking about like trends last year with tiff uh after watching teen spirit and like how there was all these uh you know stars born kind of up and coming movies and 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 singing competitions and now we're having this where where you know shazam and little are coming out almost simultaneously yeah um they brought out uh i'm gonna heimish patel Himish Patel for yesterday. Oh, yesterday, yeah. Um, With he, uh, Danny Boyle. Yeah, uh, Danny Boyle uh, introduced uh, Himish Patel in a, in a new trailer that, or it might have been very similar to the last one. Um, and then Patel performed yesterday for the audience. Um, looking forward to that, actually. I'm curious, but there's some questions that I would be um, interested to see how they kind of discuss, like, who were the who replaced the Beatles in terms of like major musical yeah. influences if they, if they don't exist. Exactly. Um, they brought out Seth Rogen to talk about good boys and did a new trailer there. A lot of stuff that that's why when you talked about, it seemed underwhelming this year. It seemed like they focused on a lot of stuff that we've either seen stuff from, or that is, or is already coming like, yeah. very, very soon. Right. That we already have seen trailers for and different things like that. So, um, and then they talked about, uh, Abominable, which is their new animated movie from DreamWorks. Right, which to me is like, okay, Smallfoot didn't work last year. Let's see if this works. I know, why? And well, then, and also just even Missing Link as well. Uh, opening, Which is similar oh, too, yeah. right? And then they talked about Downton Abbey. I don't have much to say about Downton Abbey. I think it's going to be pretty big but, uh, though. Yeah, you think yeah. so? And it's through focus features, right? Right. Um, so, Dude, they, if a Game of Thrones movie was coming to theaters, how excited would you be? Me? Yeah. Personally, uh, yeah, I, w- I would watch it. I don't think there's been this debate in the last few days I've seen on Twitter about if you could only choose one or what are you most excited for? Is it Endgame or Game of Thrones? And for me, it's Endgame through and through. Um, but it seems like it's been skewing more. I-, I just, I can't, I, almost because I came in so late, I don't understand that game of thrones is such a cultural phenomenon and people right. loved it for the last uh seven eight years or so and um that people are very very excited but for me i'm just i i don't know like i would be excited for it and even while i'm i'm fighting 
I'm getting trying to get the energy to go through these last two seasons. Like it just took a dip for me in season five. Yep. And um, the last two I'm, seasons are more entertaining than anything else. Yeah. But they're they're not I'm as str- good as the first. I mean, even like those first two seasons yeah, are amazing, are fantastic, and I'm just struggling to get back to it. Um, and again, I would be excited if they had a big budget Game of Thrones movie. Don't get me wrong, um, but I don't know. Uh, so I guess if you're a huge fan of show, now you tell me they're making a Lost movie, I'm there, right? <laughs> and I'm hella excited for it. Um, but I think they should revive it on Disney Plus. Do it. Um, then sorry, going through this, Paul Feig's Last Christmas with uh, Emma Thompson and uh, Henry Golding. Oh, and uh, and Amelia um, Clark. Speaking of Game of Thrones. Oh, is she in it too? Yeah, she's yeah. the lead. Um. They showed a trailer and didn't seem like people were too hot on it. I don't know what you saw um, online if people were talking about it much. I didn't. Oh, hear for the Paul Feig movie. Yeah, for Last Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll do fine because when it's going to come out for the holidays and it's also using a lot of George Michael's music, so I'm sure people will be more encouraged by it around that time or feel have the seasonal high of of going to something yeah. like that. Um. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really hear anything at all. With no, that movie. same. And then uh, Lena Waithe came out with uh, Melina Matsukis uh, to talk about Queen and Slim, uh, which is starring Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner Smith. Yeah. And uh, the logline for the movie is is interesting. That like, this is the one I'm most curious about. Yeah. Um, it's about a young black couple that are in love that are pulled over by a police officer and end up killing. Yeah, him? and then end up on the run yeah um and it just sounds like it almost could be like a wild at heart kind of thing or Mm -hmm. something like that yeah uh and then obviously we mentioned earlier that they uh brought out david like uh david leitch to talk about hobbs and shaw right um and dwayne johnson and jason statham were there um i'm excited that's coming soon oh and then they talked about cats which we already mentioned cats um Memories. So it showed a lot, but again, um, nothing that I guess like is crazy. Like people are anticipating to see footage from. So. Right. Yeah. Like there was. I mean, they didn't even show anything from uh, uh, the dead don't die, which is kind of interesting because the only focus thing they showed was Downton Abbey. Yeah. Because uh, I remember last year, Focus had their own presentation. Yeah, they separated them, right? Yeah. Focus has taken a weird turn this year. It just feels like like they, ah, I don't know. Well, they know. become almost like Fox Searchlight in the way that like they they have some movies that are of interest, but they're they don't have them scheduled, and they're just kind of release them and see how they go, or like or movies them that probably would go. be focused, but they're like, oh well, we could actually this might do well, so let's put it on the Universal label, and right. like, and I'm like, then you're just kind of cannibalizing yourself by like taking your prestige label or whatever you want to call it. And then being like, well, this is the prestige of the prestige label. So let's release green book through universal or right. Cause the only small um, label that really had a presence there this year was neon, uh, because they had uh, wild rose, uh, actually play for exhibitors and critics. Yeah. So they didn't do an actual conference, but they did play, but they wild did talk rose. about their slate. I think. Yeah. And then they showed that film. Uh, Warner Brothers, I'm going to just start quickly going through this stuff. And if there's anything we want to actually talk about what we heard 
sure. online. Uh, we talked about Joker. They uh, they showed uh, stuff from The Good Liar, The Goldfinch. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Helen Mirren saying... Uh, fuck Netflix fuck or something. Netflix. Uh, the Goldfinch, Godzilla, Blinded by the Light, Doctor Sleep, uh, The Kitchen, Motherless Brooklyn, It Chapter 2, Annabelle Comes Home, Home, The Sun is Also a Star, The Curse of La Lorena, Detective Pikachu, and Super Intelligence. Anything there you wanted to... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still curious about Motherless Brooklyn, um, just in terms of... I mean, like, obviously, the response was, it looks like an awards movie, and also, it could go horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, which I was expecting, but I would be curious to see how Did we end up go. putting that on our most I did, yeah, movie? yeah. Yeah, you, you um, fought for that one. To go I did, on I there, sure right? did. Um, but it was also interesting to hear that he scored the trailer to a Radiohead song. Okay. Uh, so we'll see what Edward Norton does with that. But I'm, I'm hoping for the best. But Interesting. Uh, still, it was just nice to see a movie like that have a platform at something such as this. Yeah. We got our first look at It Chapter 2 with the right. Adult Losers Club with Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader and James McAvoy. Um, everyone said it looked pretty It almost good. seemed like they were describing it as like they saw more of like the scene with when Beverly goes to uh, her home. Yeah, and she then revisits her sees, home, right? Yeah, and then her father's not there anymore, and it's uh, an older lady. I, and I, she's being creepy, right? Like, yeah. as the older people in the town do. Um, something I was curious about seeing what uh, first footage from was Dr. Sleep. But there really um, wasn't any. I thought they did show something, They showed they? some behind-the-scenes stuff, and then they showed, like, a concept of red rum being scratched right. into the wall but they didn't actually have a trailer i or thought like they did though a clip i'm reading here on collider I, I didn't think they had like anything substantial right we only oh just a few snippets of footage I so it just was all behind the scenes stuff yeah it was just no it wasn't behind the scenes there were like really quick snippets Glimpses? of footage so i think it was probably a very short teaser or something okay because like i mean warner brothers seems to have confidence in it because they moved it from january of next year to november december of this year yeah so we'll we'll see well it's interesting releasing it so close i i mean i guess you continue that well i mean even um, pet cemetery though right like i mean right. after the first it did so well i mean stephen king has always been popular but he seems to go through cycles where like people like to remake his stuff or or go back and revisit it even castle rock um so yeah it doesn't surprise me that they're they want to maybe cash in on that right afterwards okay uh what else sorry if i'm i'm trying to read as as you're giving your opinion so if i don't (laughs) read i don't Uh, even know what i'm saying half the time anyways yeah yeah, I mean, I'm trying. Oh yeah, you talked about Motherless Brooklyn. Um, what I'm, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else. They saw a scene from Detective Pikachu. That's so close that um, right. Uh, the Goldfinch is interesting, just in terms. Yeah, did of, they show anything? I'm trying. I to I think find they showed a trailer. Here. Yeah. Um, but Warner Brothers moved it to the beginning of September, which isn't a great sign because apparently they were hoping that was going to be a big awards movie. You know, it still could be. But usually the very beginning of September is not the greatest time to... Yeah, you kind of bury it before the fall festival season. Yeah, or during, like, like right like as the festival is beginning. Starting. So it might still play, like, TIFF or something, but it'll be one of those movies that opens, that opens the during Thursday. the festival. Yeah. Which you get a lot of... Like, I mean, that happened with the town. And but it was supposed to open, with... like, October, November. Like, it right. was supposed to be an awards film. You have Roger Deakins, who's the cinematographer. It's based on a quite a popular book from the last couple of years. 
um, as a literary adaptation. So it just seems weird that they moved it up all the way to the beginning of September. Yeah, I, I remember that Deacons is shooting it, which made me very, very excited. So yeah. curious about that one. Uh, let's move on. We're uh, Let's go to... Uh, I don't have much to say about STX. Um, I don't either. They ha- showed footage from Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman, which was uh, a new title, right? Well, it's movie? gone through three titles now. So originally it was called Tough Guys. Right. And then it was T-U-F-F, called, right? Yeah, and then it was called Bush. And now it's called <laughs> <Bush>. The Gentleman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't... I Guy Ritchie, I just... Uh, I don't have really anything to say about it. He had two him. movies at CinemaCon that they were showing. I have a feeling, like... Did he, he to, do that before Aladdin? No, or? he did this right after Aladdin. <laughs> like he so, finished Aladdin and went and right into... And he was into, like, oh my god, I need something to rebound with as soon as possible. Right. Uh, they showed stuff from The Best of Enemies, which is opening very soon. Well, it opens in the U.S. Um, on Friday and then in Canada uh, next week. STX is a weird one, like a weird... A weird one to me. Uh, Palms with Diane Keaton and Jackie Weaver. Cheerleader movie. Yeah. Uh, Chadwick Boseman came out to talk about 21 Bridges. Which was originally called 17. Uh, that's the Russo Brothers produced. Yeah, and it's with uh, J.K. Simmons and Sienna Miller as well. I don't have much He plays like a cop seeking redemption. Uh, My Spy, which we just got a trailer for today. Which... And a poster. Which is basically uh, Dave Bautista's kindergarten cop or the pacifier game plan. Mm-hmm. Katie Holmes came out to introduce a sequel to The Boy. Oh, yeah. I laughed with Brahms the new title. The Boy 2? <laughs> what the fuck? So, Bronze is the name of, of, of the kid she's looking after this this plastic pin boy only stx would green light a sequel to the boy it did well though the first one did well yeah and it was made for nothing yeah i know i know horror movies i'm sure they actually paid more to have katie holmes in the movie than they did with laura cohen yeah yeah they got a little extra money there right the bush (laughs) but i just like how it's like we're not just gonna call it the boy too we're gonna call it bronze the boy too so stupid uh they announced the bad moms, moms, about the grandmas. SDX, I don't know. Come on. <laughs> no offense to you guys, but. Uh, and then I'll quickly jump on Twitter to see if anyone talked about the Paramount stuff. Have you seen anything? Or uh, some stuff on Rocketman and uh, nothing yet, or maybe just recently on Terminator. Uh, Dark, is it Dark Fate? Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh God, uh, fun here. I'll go on Fandango. Um, Fandango. Eric Eric Davis is tweeting from Fandango. Yeah. Um, they showed here. Let me go through since we'll finish off with uh for. Oh, so okay. So Mike Ryan says, in the Terminator Dark Fate footage, a bunch of Terminators are attacking people. Then Linda Hamilton shows up with a bazooka, blows them up, and then says, "I'll be back." Oh no. <laughs> I mean that's out of I sort of out of context I guess but um goodness gracious. Uh Fandango says an extended look at Rocketman leans into the R rating with colorful language and fantastical musical moments for Elton John Saturday Nights All Right at a carousel and Rocketman at the bottom of a swimming pool distinctly selling itself as different from Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean I guess that I'm 
that sounds more intriguing to me at least yeah i like, mean obviously it's the dexter fletcher the same guy who finished uh bohemian rhapsody but it, to me rocket man is going to be the middle finger to bohemian rhapsody where it's like even though we, it's from the same guy who saved yeah, the last movie or but we have a, an actor really singing and like it's going to be it's going to visually take, interesting yeah and it's going to be fantasy based like it's an r-rated yeah and that's how you get around and gay yeah super gay i hope um but um like that's how you get around like the historical inaccuracy because it's it's at least it knows what it is yeah right um a movie called crawl which oh is that uh, the alexander aja movie yeah with, which um, barry pepper yeah fandango uh describes it Why as do you keep calling it fandango so there's a wrestler named fandango <laughs> um fandango um you think he has a fondue set hopefully uh, he says it's an alligator home invasion film during a hurricane from Sam Raimi and the director of Piranha 3D, Alexander Otto. Why isn't Nicolas uh, Cage in this movie? God, it sounds awesome. I actually uh, am intrigued, but it's Paramount that has this. And uh, um, that actually sounds really intriguing. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Uh, new trailer for Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Uh, I should have just went through Fandango's Twitter. It was a way better recap than what I... <laughs> was right. trying to do earlier apologies if i was meandering and trying to get bits and pieces of what gemini was happening. man uh yeah so adora and the lost city of gold we got a look at benicio del toro's swiper oh boy uh terminator footage mackenzie davis uh introduced us to mackenzie davis via a nude fight with cops okay and linda hamilton's return with a rocket launcher uh okay tim miller's directing he talked about continuing james cameron's vision um, James Cameron comes in. I really like this yeah. movie a lot. It has my. <laughs> they just they just money. showed the footage from Terminator <laughs> Self or was it uh, Genesis? Genesis, He's yeah. Like, with his I'm Hawaiian really shirt. excited about Terminator Dark. What's this one called? Dark Fate. That's, Dark that's literally Fate. what he it's said. Like, it's like, what's this one called? <laughs> I could just see them like dubbing his his interview for uh, the last one and just changing. He really the appreciates title. the legacy of this franchise, and it's going in a complete new direction. Yeah. Um, Oh boy, the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer features 70, 780 miles per hour speeds and Gangsta's Paradise. Uh, and isn't Jim Carrey voicing Dr. Robotnik? But the biggest highlight was the separate featurette for Jim Carrey's Robotnik, which is performed like a classic 90s Carrey uh, character, but with a curly mustache. Somebody stop me. I hope, God, I hope <laughs> this movie is just the dumbest thing possible or it's just him refer referencing lines from, from dumb his, and dumber yeah. the mask and ace ventura yeah i mean that kind of gets me excited if carrie goes full 90s jim carrey in right. this I'm, he's putting I'm on kinda... a glove fits like a glove <laughs> uh, yeah dr robotnik does wear gloves i think yeah. so there you go uh and then gemini man um uh from ang lee uh, that was the 3D presentation that they had. Um, it's going to be in 3,000 frames per minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that seems to be, uh, unless I missed something here. No, that was pretty much it from uh, from that. So shout out to Fondango on Twitter. Uh, all right, that's. I think that's CinemaCon. Did I miss anyone? Um, I, don't I don't think so. There was so. a lot of stuff that wasn't there. Yeah, it seems like the, the biggest thing this year was that uh, studios were... Uh, a little hesitant hesitant to show stuff very early, which I feel like we're getting more and more of. And we talked about before we started recording that it seems like a trend lately that more and more studios are dropping out of different conferences or different Comic-Cons and things like that. And we're even seeing this in the video game industry with 
people like PlayStation and and not showing up to E3 and different things like that. Um, so it's it's interesting that these st- studios and companies are taking a different approach to this stuff and realizing that, hey, we can just drop a trailer on Twitter or we can drop a trailer on YouTube and it's going to be uh, more successful than the buzz that they're going to get at some of these conferences, right? Right. Well, especially for the bigger films, I mean, social media does most of the work for them anyways, right? I mean, like, I understand the smaller movies needing to really... Uh, champion and and campaign for and push yourself out there in marketing but like you yeah you just drop a trailer for avengers endgame and people will watch it yeah and they'll share it right uh okay we got a lot of other news let's try to go through it somewhat quickly but we can have a longer episode we haven't done that in a little while uh the first one i have here is uh netflix just announced their cast or hollywood reporters reporting on the cast for the cowboy bebop series on Netflix, so John Cho is cast as the lead, uh, Spike, um, and then I'll go through the rest of the cast here. Sorry, the link wasn't working for me for a moment. Are you very familiar with Cowboy Bebop? Just or? a little bit. I mean, I've heard about you know the the anime and also it the, uh, studios trying to adapt it into a live action for a long time. For, yeah, like I remember there was a point where it was Keanu Reeves was going to be in the lead role and and. It just never took off. Yeah, and I remember a long time people wanted Quentin Tarantino to tackle it, I think. Um, uh, from what I remember, I might be wrong there. But um, So John Cho uh, is top-lining Cowboy Bebop. It's going to be – the first two episodes are going to be directed by Alex Garcia Lopez, who directed uh, episodes of Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Cloak and & Dagger. Uh, Christopher Yost wrote the first episode. Um so show running and executive producing are Josh Applebaum, Andre Nemec, Jeff Pinkner, and Scott Rosenberg, uh, the team behind uh, shows like Limetown, High Fidelity, and Nightfall. Not super familiar with that. But uh, I started watching Cowboy Bebop recently, so I got a Funimation uh, subscription, another streaming service for like anime and stuff like that because I've heard great things. And, and you just want to catch up um, with your Dragon Ball. Yeah, Dragon Ball is also on there. Yeah, um, we all saw how the Dragon Ball movie turned out. So oh yeah, let's hope this is a little bit better. But um, John Cho is in it. Also, uh, Luke Cage actor Mustafa Shakir, um, as well as uh, Daniela Pineda from Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and Alex Hassel. Um, so, if, for those of you that don't know Cowboy Bebop, uh, uh, in the Hollywood Reporter article, they say they describe it as. The jazz-inspired, genre-bending story of a ragtag crew of bounty hunters on the run from their past as they hunt down the solar system's most dangerous criminals. Um, Reminds Guardians of the Galaxy a little bit. Um, But uh, it's got a great opening credits and a great opening credits theme song you guys should go check out. Um, I'm excited for this. I I hope they do a great job. I I would have liked to see this as like maybe a big budget movie because I'm just more of a movie guy than a a battle angel. Um, Yeah, like more than a a television series. But um, I I think Netflix has a pretty good track record as much as I fall behind on their original stuff. But I'm excited for this. I'm glad to see John Cho get a big high profile uh, project like this that he could potentially do for uh, a, a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean I'm I'm intrigued by it, but uh, I I would kind of like to watch some of the anime before diving into uh, to the new. You should check it out. It was, the Blu-ray set of the complete series with the movie because there was an animated movie. Yeah, as yeah. Well, no, I, I uh, remember that. 
Um, I remember it was always promoted in like toy magazines. Uh, weirdly, was uh, it? Yeah, like like Toy Fair always had like articles or like uh, advertisements in their certain sections for the for the film. Well, was that era of of Dragon Ball and things like that? The ninety eight. Well, like Dragon Ball was back in the even late eighties. I think it yeah. first started, but it, I think Cowboy Bebop first aired in. If I correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, but nineteen ninety eight. I think I remember seeing in the opening credits of that I started watching, and um, that perfect age for us when I was starting to get into. Uh, um, yeah, and that's when anime. like there was just, like the anime invasion, so yeah. you had things like you know Gundam Wing and dragon ball and and that and 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 other things as well and and funimation really came into its own at that point right yeah so i'm looking forward to this i I don't know always skeptical with a you know um live action adaptations of anime but we just saw with alita battle angel this year that it can be done well and and respected for the most part but it also can Um, go horribly wrong like you referenced with dragon ball yeah uh, evolution that yeah what a piece of shit that movie is. Chow Young Fat uh, is uh, Master Roshi. <sighs> what a it, it's. Although it, it's it's really bad because they cast a white guy as Goku, and I'm like, they sure did. And what's her name from Shameless too, right? Oh, Emmy Rossum. Oh, they're yeah. both on. They're Shameless. They're both in Shameless. Oh my god, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. If you want to see them fuck, you can see that in the first season of Shameless <laughs> instead of watching Dragon Ball. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, so I did get Eric, my Avengers Endgame tickets. I was one of the few, uh, tickets went on sale. Um, <laughs> who, who then got those tickets? <laughs> not one of the few, one of very many actually, but, um, you're one of the people left after, uh, the snap, s- the snap. Uh, yeah, man. So tickets went on sale this week. I think it was Tuesday morning, uh, at 8am. They dropped a new trailer, which we did not talk about because I've gone radio silent on, Endgame stuff. I've just decided no more marketing for me. I just want to go see the movie. It's going to be in a couple weeks. Uh, I got tickets to a 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time show here in Toronto at Scotiabank IMAX, which was the first 2D IMAX show because the 7 p.m. is in 3D, which I said, nah, sir. I will not go to the 3D <laughs> showing of this. Uh, glad that they actually have a 2D option, even though it's later in the evening. And um, I lucked out because I was up at 2 in the morning on Monday night and uh, um, saw that they went on sale. So jumped in and grabbed the last two tickets in the upper. Like I like on the aisle anyway. You know this. Um, you think it, they were concert tickets? They Dude, and they've been reselling and or people are trying. I see all the reports being like, people put them up for $1,000. I'm like, you understand people can put them up for whatever money they want that doesn't mean people are going to pay that amount of money right like don't get me wrong i sh- i'm sure you could sell these for 50 bucks or 100 bucks and someone would buy them i'm because, sure there will be people scalping um, tickets the, the night day of yeah the night on of, the yeah. thursday night right like I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some of the scalpers you regularly see at concerts or at a hockey game or something like that do this because it's crazy man like i've looked around in the thursday night showings at even in the suburbs and Whippy and and uh, like it seems every theater those Thursday night shows are completely sold out. Right, like everywhere. You um, think this movie's gonna make any money? Just a little bit. <laughs> so the the box office projections came out today and they said oh between two hundred and fifty and two hundred and seventy five million, um, but. Infinity War made two seventy three. I think it's opening weekend. I might be wrong. Or two forty three, um, something around Sounds there. But right. they were projecting between 
uh, 170 and 200. So I can see this being the first movie ever to make $300 million opening weekend. Right. Um, U.S., North American box office. It, it, people are projecting that it might make $800 million because it's opening in China at the same time and like doing a worldwide kind of release. Um, but crazy. I hope you guys got your tickets if you're, in, if you're excited. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, like anything, if you wait a day or two, I'm sure there are tickets for Saturday and Sunday still available. But those Thursday night screenings that you want to... Well, that first weekend is just is going to be... To crazy be, yeah everybody's yeah. gonna try to see it because like you don't want to be that person on monday <laughs> that gets, hasn't yeah, seen it and, and then trying to avoid everybody exactly and, trying i'm worried even like seeing the 10 30 show like if if i don't end up seeing it uh, knock on wood at a press screening or something like that but that was, was that um wood? it's no it's not but i can knock on the, the door there but right. Um, yeah, man, very excited. I, this is the first time I've ever seen it. Like it crashed AMC. It cre- it crashed Fandango. It crashed, uh, Adam. It crashed Cineplex. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's the first time I've ever seen that for a movie and everyone's saying that this is unprecedented and I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if 80 to 90% of the theaters in your multiplex are all playing Endgame that weekend. Right. And, like, there might be a couple theaters showing some counter- Well, nothing else is opening against it that weekend. Even smaller specialty films are avoiding, avoiding that week. Because I really think that the way Disney will make up for the long running time, so it's been confirmed, it's three hours and two minutes. Um, uh, no intermission, I don't think, which is unfortunate because I would have liked a pee break. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they'll fix that by just putting it in as many theaters as possible, right? Because I feel like, don't worry if you didn't get tickets for Thursday and things like that. They'll probably add more showings the week of. Yeah. They always do. So right now they're obviously planning. It'll be in their large format theaters. And I'm glad they even have options because a lot of the times Disney would only do 3D on Thursdays. Do you remember that? Yeah. And um, now that they're, I've seen 2D, 3D, VIP, AVX, IMAX, 4DX. They have it in every format right now. But I'm sure when we get closer to when the theater... 4DX? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Imagine that three-hour movie in 4DX. We did I that I would be one. able to make it through. We did that once for triple X. Yeah. In 4DX. Especially because you do want to pay attention. To I saw Doctor Strange on. for the first time in yeah. 4DX. And you felt sick, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best way to see a movie for the first time. Um, I would never suggest your first viewing of a movie be in 4DX. It Unless just... it's Antichrist. Well, triple X was fine. Yeah. Antichrist. Right. Yeah. 4DX. Jesus Christ. Uh, you got it. We're getting close, man. I've just never seen anything like this. I think this will be the biggest movie we've ever seen. Um, yeah, I agree. And and we were talking about it this morning. I think you know we'll see in the next couple of years a top ten box office list of all time with all Disney movies. Yeah, of all time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because Avatar, I guess, counts right now. Yep. Titanic counts. <laughs> yep. So um, I think this year, even you'll see. What are some non-Disney movies that you think could make the top 10 highest grossing movies of the year? Uh, maybe Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw. Shaw. But do you think that hurts that it's a spinoff? It does, but it still has The Rock in it. So, you know. Um, but I, I I don't know other than the Marvel movies that anything is a guarantee. To be in that top 10? Yeah. Like, I'm even thinking, like, Detective Pikachu is going to do well. I think that's the one that... But I don't. I almost think that Warner Brothers maybe should move it because it opens May tenth, 
and like two weeks after Endgame, right? Yeah, so it's still like people are still going to be wanting to see uh, Avengers and and repeat viewing. So why not release you know Detective Pikachu in June or July, and and get your box office there because it just feels like you're still going to be competing against Avengers at that point. Yeah, I agree with you, but I still think it'll do pretty well. Yeah. Um, but I Lion we, King, I mean, but that's Disney. So again, everything Lion King, Aladdin, I think Frozen, Toy Story, yeah, uh, Star Wars. Uh, so we got Avengers, Toy Story, Lion King, Aladdin, Star Wars, and Captain Marvel just hit Captain a bil- Marvel a billion, is a right? billion. Yeah, so there's six that all will probably be there. Right. Uh, what else are we missing from Disney this year? There's probably something else, but. It's definitely not Spider-Man, but that doesn't really count because it's Sony. So um, even though it's a Marvel superhero movie, but but that um, will do do well, and I'm sure the Tarantino movie will do okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's not going to make the it's numbers not gonna, that not even yeah. close. Yeah. All right, let's get into some uh, casting news and different things like that. So uh, something you brought up on our way home from the screening: um, uh, Emma Stone and Ray Fiennes were cast in The Menu, which is Alexander Payne's next film. Uh, which you were talking about that it uh, it's about a young couple who goes on a uh, a kind of foodie resort trip, right? Or uh, yeah, uh, that ends up being uh, becomes as it's been described extreme cuisine yeah. uh, with a twisted chef serving up some specialty items that may or may not be a little bit controversial and grotesque. So this reminds me of something like um, Parents with Randy Quaid, um, any kind of movie sort of focusing on cannibalism specifically in kind of a um, jovial fashion, a kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek, eating the tongue-in-cheek uh, <laughs> humor. Um, but the one thing is, I like Alexander Payne a lot, but the last time he did something high concept, which was his last movie downsizing it didn't work out so well so i would be interested to see how he blends horror and comedy and if he seasons it properly yeah i'm excited i mean down i'm with you where downsizing uh i thought started off okay and um quickly falls apart yeah (laughs) Um, and then just goes completely off the rails in the last act um but i like alexander payne as well so um yeah and, and i would be excited to see like Ray Fiennes do, you know, another kind of uh, Monsieur Gustave crazy over-the-top European character that is a little bit more menacing, maybe. Yeah, I'm totally down for that. Chef Voldemort. Exactly. <laughs> uh, more Marvel news. I, I feel like we get a new piece of Marvel news every week leading yeah. into Phase 4. Well, you got to so. keep that brand going. Um, Black Widow. Added- oh, and, and a favorite connection, too. Yeah, Black Widow added a few uh, new cast members. Members, fastbenders. Uh, no, no fastbenders, <laughs> but uh, Rachel Weisz and David Harbour were added to the cast of Black Widow. So joining uh, Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson. Um, no details on who they're playing or anything. We don't know much about the movie yet. Yeah. but um, good for them. I mean, it's. I feel like still it, waiting for Julie Delpy. Are you a real actor if you are not part of the Marvel Cinematic right. Universe? <laughs> well, you're not making um, that Marvel money no. if you're not. That's for sure. Um, so David Harbour, obviously coming off the success. He, I mean, he's been around for a long time, but he's a um, character actor. Yeah. Um, 
but getting obviously more high profile roles now that um, Stranger Things is so gigantic and the third season of that's coming out at the beginning of July. He has Hellboy coming up in the next couple of weeks. And, um, he was and in Suicide Squad. Very small role. He's in right. the opening scene, right? Yeah. Of Suicide Still in Squad. it though. Yeah, but he, that's what I'm used to him showing up as is like you said, a character actor showing up in small bit right. roles. Like Quantum um, of Solace or yep. End of Watch when he gets the knife in the eye. Yeah, but it, he <laughs> seems to be getting more and more high profile file uh um stuff so it's because he's been noticed like he's like you yeah. said like with stranger things i always liked like, him too i do so. too I, yeah. I do i do as well but like it's you know when you when you hear him now being cast it's like well there's an expectation of him being in a big role mm-hmm. um, but it is also just interesting that him doing hellboy which is another comic book movie and then and then suicide squad yeah and then you know. following that up with this so mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah and then Rachel Vice, um, uh, again, don't know what role she'll, she'll probably be, be in the role of the like the Kurt Russell, Annette Benning type, where it's the prestigious actor in a smaller, smaller role, role, but a significant one. I even think they said like it's going to be like a specific part, like it's. Did they? Because like we don't know yet if it's going to be a prequel or take place after Endgame, right? right? So which may or may not explain Julie Delpy if she's cast in it or not. I hope she does get cast. Yeah, she because she had Age the small yeah. Age of Ultron role, yeah. right? So that would be cool, right? Uh, bring her back and uh, keep that continuity going. So, um, which I'm sure they're aware of. Oh yeah, totally. They do that. I mean, if they bring um, uh, Lee Pace, Lee Pace, and uh, what's his name back for Jamon Hansu. For small roles too, I, yeah. I they'll bring back the most random. The people. on-screen charisma of Lee Pace yeah. as Ronan the Accuser. <laughs> I rewatched Guardians, and it's, it's we can't hold on. We yeah. can't make this movie Captain Marvel without Lee Pace. Yeah. And we got to give him like what third or fourth billing. Even yeah, he was in the like legit credits too. But it was and like then... Gwyneth Paltrow though in in uh, Spider Man uh, Homecoming. She got like fourth or fifth billing, and she's in the last minute of the fair movie. yeah it all depends on what you're you negotiated in your contract right, right? and how big She's of got a, a good agent it's the goo right? right like robert downey jr always has to be first billing right yeah. like no matter how little he's in the but movie. i mean he still is like a, a major part of like spider-man homecoming for example like i understand why he would get top billing or be in the the marquee where with like gwyneth paltrow like you know showing up in the in the main credits you're like really yeah yeah it's always funny um Mark Hamill is playing Chucky in the Child's Play reboot, um, which people thought was funny because he actually played Chucky in an episode of Robot Chicken 14 years ago. And he was like, I forgot I did that right. <laughs> when they tweeted him. He's like, totally didn't realize well, that. He's done a ton of voice work, yeah. right? Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Mark Hamill's a better voice actor than he is live action. Uh, I would actor. agree with that. Although I did um, actually really like him in terms of, a perf- like his best Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker was Last Jedi <laughs> yeah I yeah. don't I, I think he's not a, I don't think I mean even as Luke Skywalker in he's not great yeah. no no he's but not he, but, but he is actually good in Last Jedi agreed yeah. Um, but I do really like him as the Joker obviously in Batman the Animated Series Um, again this will be the fourth time I bring up Invincible he is in the animated Invincible series right. I'm curious to see who he plays there yeah I wonder if um, he's just going to do an imitation of Brad Dwarf or uh... well he said that he said no because he said his robot chicken thing wasn't more of an impression yeah where this is a new take on it it's so, just him doing the joker joker yeah i know um 
But uh, cool. I think he's a great voice actor and, I mean, an iconic person. In he's very industry. prolific in the voice acting community. Yeah, for sure. He's done way more voice acting over the years, right, yeah. than uh, uh, not. Uh, some news that uh, dropped right after we finished recording last week, like literally as we uh, hit stop on the record. Um on the record i don't even know what the fuck i'm talking about anymore uh killian murphy was cast in a quiet place too or um, as paramount is calling it right now a quiet place part two okay i mentioned it at the end of their uh sizzle reel fair um cool i like killian murphy yeah. uh krasinski's back um i'm directing so- yeah that's what i mean yeah i mean um, he would well, only be half a man yeah if he was still in the movie spoiler what are your thoughts on... Well, obviously he's playing a new character, but I'm surprised that they went back to the same family. Yeah, that was the, that was the thing that I, I was most surprised with, that we're going to continue on with them and not look at other incidences around the world. Like, the way that you can expand... The way that The Purge has kind of expanded, right? Like, it, it takes place in the same universe... Um, it, you know, the same night, the same situations happen, but you get to see it from different points of view. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, um, I, I, maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll become, I mean, a lot of people didn't think alien would, could become a franchise. So, right. And you stuck with Ripley and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, again, loved a quiet place, um, even with its kind of nitpicky story problems, but yeah. Emily um, Blunt wants that Oscar. Yeah. I'm surprised she hasn't been nominated yet. It's kind of weird. This would have been the year, right? But yeah, uh, it didn't quite work out. But um, she was the lead in a quiet place. I don't care what anybody says. Agreed completely. Yeah. Um. I mean, the final shot should show you that she was the lead in that right. movie. Supporting? Like, Come on. Um. I'm surprised. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised Krasinski's coming back, but he probably could have done pretty much anything after the success of the first one. Right. Um. Unless he was kind of shoehorned into uh, doing, if people were just offering him very similar stuff, then why not continue to build out that world? But, right, and make it his own, um, and and you know milk that franchise. Yeah, but again, I I don't see why Marvel wouldn't throw a buttload of money at him and Emily Blunt for Fantastic Four. I'm sure they will, but, but I'm also happy that Noah Junup and uh, Melissa uh, Simmons are also returning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is nice. Just cast them all as the Fantastic Four, you know? Right. <laughs> Just do it. Uh, Who's going to be uh, Herbie the Robot? Yeah, we'll see. John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last, the probably the most important thing we've talked about in this two hours and 12-minute podcast, uh, Jai Courtney has said he's coming <laughs> back for the Suicide Squad. Well, so he uh, says. So he says. Um do you, I, I just can't get enough Captain Boomerang. Somebody made a really good joke. It's I like, could see James Gunn. Of course Gunn he's it. coming back to you, right? Like, uh, that's good. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I could see James Gunn having fun with the Captain Boomerang character and Jai Courtney. But um, right. if James Gunn ends up actually even doing this, which I still think he will not. But but will he, um, will he add the the in Guardians Volume 3? Yeah, it'll just be called The Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this on the streetcar home where I, I'm i just really skeptical. Unless he's already turned in a script and everything, I guess, too, for the Suicide Squad. But right. um, it just seems very bizarre to me to go. I mean, but J.J. went directly from Star Trek to Star Wars and, and things like that and um, made them their own. So 
Uh, I, I don't see why James Gunn could. Yeah, Joss Whedon went from Marvel to DC for a bit. So, yeah, it happens, yeah. right? Yeah, I just it, they just seem too similar, right? Yeah, in terms of the ragtag group of heroes or villains working together and, and being an ensemble piece with kind of idiosyncratic characters. Yeah, so to me, it's just like to be fired and then go over there, it seemed like it it's, was Yeah, leverage, you're doing the same like, thing twice. In a row. Yeah. Or, I mean, he hasn't really made another movie since before Guardians No. But he did right? produce. He has Brightburn as a producer coming up, and mm-hmm. um, the Belco experiment came out a couple of years ago, which he uh, was credited as a co-writer on. Right. So, um, I mean, I we love to shit on Jai Courtney, but I'll give him credit for um, Captain Boomerang, which I think is his best role. Right. <laughs> uh, you got, in, sometimes in a bad you just got to use your Jai imagination. Yeah, Jai imagination, man. Um, and that's it. Will it be Jai-tastic? Who knows? We should also mention you. You uh, sent me an earlier in the week a, a text about it. It's it's more of a, a Canadian thing than anything else. That Mongrel Media will be distributing um, uh, Lionsgate's uh, film starting in December. I think Knives Out is going to be their first film that they release. Yep, we got a logo for Knives Out, but I don't think they showed anything. No, did Lions, Lionsgate didn't have a presentation. I no, think I think they, they just, just had like parties. a party. Yeah, because I saw people. That's the way photos. you do it. You yeah. just have a party. <laughs> Here's a logo and take photos with Ryan Johnson. Yeah, you know, uh, Ama de Armas or whatever her name is. Um, so I was gonna crop it so it would say Nevis out, and then yeah. I'll try to find that logo and do that. Um, yeah, I uh, that is fascinating because I mean E1 um, had Lionsgate films for the longest time, right? Going yeah. back a long, long time. So, and now with the Weinstein Company dropping out and Lionsgate not with E1, it's fascinating to see what E1 will have because they have Annapurna um, stuff still. But with that changing, is right. that Annapurna is the one morphing into MGM, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, or Animorphing yeah. into MGM. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out to Animorphs. Why hasn't that been made into a movie yet? Um, yeah. I, like, what will E1 be distributing anything moving forward? Or? Well, just looking at this year, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to bring this up now because I'll see what the... We'll wrap the show after this. Their list is, because they only have about three or four things. I'm just looking. Dead air, dead air release date i'm sorry everyone if we if, if oh, we okay, felt so, a bit okay. off today i, I so, would have been tired uh they have late night uh which is amazon yeah uh, but lionsgate and amazon no yeah 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 right because yeah, they yeah because they share distribution yeah so that'll that in the future that won't be the same uh they have long shot right uh palms which is stx uh john wick chapter three Book Smart and uh, the Denny Arcade movie, uh, The Fall of the American Empire, and uh, Late Night, as I already mentioned, in June. So I could see them still continuing with some Canadian stuff. Yeah, they, they have usually... scary stories in Where'd You Go, Bernadette, as well. Which some of that stuff, they they were actually involved in the production, I think, too, right? I think yeah. scary stories they were. Yeah, and um, Annapurna has Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Right. So it'll be fascinating because they feel that they backed off a little bit from theatrical distribution in Canada. You used to see their logo on everything, right? But you, yeah. you mentioned that um, Elevation, Elevation Pictures is now kind of the big Canadian company mm-hmm. um, that picks up a lot of stuff. And they pick up stuff as, like, you know, they're they're going along as well. So, like, they don't just have a planned schedule, but, like, they'll pick up additional titles you know, as they get closer to the U.S. release date. So, like, for example, The Best of Enemies is now opening uh, in 
Canada on April 12th and didn't have a release date uh, originally. And then Elevation Pictures has stepped in to pick it up. Well, I'm sure if they wait it out and if there's no American or no Canadian distributor, then it's probably a bit maybe cheaper. Yeah. Unless the studio gets in on the script stage, I don't think yet like it would most titles would go to mongrel media then so like for example vvs films has hellboy which is Lionsgate and summit um right. so it would be interesting to see how that will work and i know that vvs does handle a lot of stx as well and a lot of direct to vod nicholas cage movies. well you gotta you gotta but they also had the beach bum as well which is neon in the u.s and yeah it's uh, interesting yeah. here in canada that it's just kind of all over the place right like even if it's one studio in the u.s they don't they'll sell it Sometimes you get these exclusive deals, right? Right. I mean, we or package seen... deals where you like you you want one movie or you have to buy like a certain number of them, and and which is probably why VVS had so many Nick Cage movies. Yeah, I Wait. bet you there's something in there where they're like, you got to take all of these too, and they're like, all right, I guess we'll throw these on iTunes. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you want Season of the Witch? You got to take all of these. Shout out to Sorcerer's Apprentice, okay? I feel like Sorcerer's Apprentice was underrated. I will throw that out You also like National Treasure, though. I love National Treasure, yep. We need a third National Treasure, I do feel like they should have completed that trilogy of the Indiana Jones Where is Turtle Tobbs? (laughs) Is it John Turtle Tobbs? Yeah. God, what a dumb... He's busy making uh, the Meg. Right. He did make the Meg. Um, all right, guys, I think that wraps this uh, two hour and 20 minute episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, if you like this, we do another podcast that is much, much shorter uh, called the Untitled Movie Reviews, where we have reviews out right now for Dumbo, the Beach Bum, uh, Shazam. Shazam, as well as upcoming, we have reviews for Teen Spirit and Missing Link. And maybe other stuff. Uh, uh, we'll have to see. But. And maybe other stuff. That's the title of the film. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can get this podcast each and every week on podcast services around the globe. Please share with your friends. You can find more of my work at UntitledMoviePodcast.com, Cineplex.com, and other places around the internet. Um, you can follow me on all of the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I am here with uh, Eric Marchin, and you can find me on uh, all the social medias at EM6211 and my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. And until next week, it's time to trip the lights Fandango. <laughs> WrestleMania. This Sunday? Sunday?